I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. Jake and Sky can go to hell. <laughs> Let's start flipping, out that way. Flipping tin. All they do is road cruise. <laughs> bunch, of, bunch of hippies and nerds out in the field. Oh, I like to her Peeking out over a worm or like a blind snake. You shut your mouth on them worm snakes, brother. <laughs> them, them fighting words. Find a southern toad and they piss their pants. Dude, I damn near piss my pants when I find a southern toad. I'm kidding. I know Love this, this guys. is this is becoming a totastic I, uh, podcast. So you watch your it is, mouth. It is, and I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, toads, you know, we love toads. Just not the people for a that few keep species, them. they just don't do much for me, you know. And so when Phil's getting super excited about toads, I'm like, oh, I know, I know. And then I got I got a text from a buddy who's probably in the group chat now. He's like, hey man, uh, you want anything from Southeast Asia? And I'm like, oh fuck me. Uh, it's like you got any toads? <laughs> it's like no, uh, I meant like cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, why? Why do you want amphibians? You're just gonna kill them. <laughs> anyway, snakes and stogies, episode one hundred and ninety-six. Do we figure out what we're gonna do for two hundred yet? No, I know it's uh, God seat of our pants. Every um, week. <laughs> yep, that's it. Roll them fucking dice. That's I like, think like me and listen. Phil don't even talk that much anymore. Like I know it's literally Mondays, and it's like, what are we doing? It's like that the the band that everyone hates each other, but because it works so well when they're on stage, they just they they put up with one another. And <laughs> no, I don't think it's like that. I mean, we're we're genuinely friends, and we genuinely love each other. I just <laughs> Phil just don't want to talk to me. He's got like he's oh, he's God. got phone calls with with Nipper and all his people. I, phone, I don't talk to anybody, silent. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> anyway, episode 196. Let's boost the morale a bit. Just sit around wishing Phil would just give me a call. And oh, just, my God. Like, damn. Wish Phil was here. I, just, I didn't know this was going to be a family therapy session here. Guys. I just... <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough tissues, guys. I just the tears just won't stop. They're that's perpetually you, falling. So you bottle them up and you drink them like that crybaby movie. <laughs> what? Sponsors. Let's talk some sponsors. Hey. Blackboxcages.com. Yes. Facebook, Instagram. You need a rack, you need a cage. Uh you need both. You need one or the other. It's all good. It's tax time. Spend them dollars. Use the code THN at checkout. Get 10% off your order. If you're in the general southeast region or in the sort of semi-near vicinity of North Georgia, uh, there's a pickup option. So you can just jet up there, pick up your stuff, drive home, get it unpacked, get it set up, and be the happiest you've ever been because they're some of the best quality stuff money can buy. Uh, with you, a two-week lead time. You will be crying from happiness and those joy. yes the perpetual tears will be from from pure joy pure joy 
it's like when that guy opened the the chest in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Before he melted, he was very excited and very happy. That's true. And then all you know, the then I guess he was so overjoyed he just I was gonna say you evaporated. You'll be so elated with your black box enclosure that your face will virtually melt off. I am too busy making mugs to take phone calls. Jesus Christ. Oh my god, <laughs> left field silent hill. Oof. No, we'll get into that in a second. But uh yeah, blackboxcages.com. Check them out. You won't be disappointed. Great stuff. Uh, also, side note, Chris hatched out a scorpion tail gecko today, which is pretty awesome. Nice. Those are cool little lizards. Um, Fullvisapparel.com. Also, spend them tax dollars. You know, it's all good. I got some mugs that are that are on and popping now, apparently. It's very yeah, odd. Uh, use the code THN at checkout on there as well. Get 15% off. That is the exclusive promo code for THN listeners and viewers like you. The fine folks of the Pacific Northwest, Jeff and Kendra, Puget Sound Pythons. Give them a follow on all the socials. Hunt them down on Morph Market. See what they've got cooking. Stay in the loop with what they're going to have available here in the next couple of weeks. And then the best coffee around, cold-blooded caffeine. We got that snakes and stogies blend. Look at that. Why don't you give that bag a little jiggle? Yeah, hear those beans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was actually talking to Trey. I may have some to sell at Daytona. Oh. I may bring some down, like whole bean, uh, just to have at the table with some of the other Fulvia stuff. This is so I have signed up for Daytona. Excellent. Uh, I talked to him today to make sure he got the money and stuff. And he's like, I didn't yet. So I was like, great. And I could tell he had zero recollection of the phone call we had like a week prior so that was nice but as long as nothing serious happens i'll be there and i may have coffee so nice are they gonna let you sell like bags of it or we're just gonna give out tasters i was just gonna buy bags to sell okay i mean hey if we got the mugs you gotta have something to put in it that's true. It's very but true. No, who's going to have a grinder and stuff? So I don't know. I haven't really decided exactly what I'm going to do yet. So yeah, and they probably will. They'll probably not have a problem with it at the convention because it's not intended for immediate consumption. You know. Yeah, I mean it's sealed bags. Yeah. I'm not selling soft pretzels. If I was, it'd be a hell of a lot better than the ones they got. Unless you're Eric Burke and you whip out your backpack with your mobile grinder and your portable thermos yeah. that actually has a French press inside it. God bless that man. And Jeff said, uh, I don't need to make mugs. There's plenty of people out there doing it with my designs. That's, yep, that's nice, too. Um, what are you smoking tonight? Tonight, I was gifted a couple sticks from a client that uh, I've never a heard client. of. A client. I've never heard of this company before. It's Cuban Seed. It's Cuban Seed Cigar Co. Okay. And from what I gather, it's a very plain gold foil band with oh. a with a simplistic like uh crossed drumsticks logo if you will um but from what i gather this is like well what all the like super rich arab dudes in in saudi and in you know uae that's this is what they smoke um he gave me two he gave me one that was a green and brown wrapper twist and then this Barbara, one uh, barbable 
Yeah, barber pole, and you can't tell it by the camera, but this is a fully green wrapper. Candela. Yeah, so uh, it's Corona-sized. Um, it smells great. It cut phenomenally. I have no idea what it is. I tried to go on their website. Uh, like I said, it's uh, Cuban Seed Cigar Co. They're out of California. And every neither one of those sticks I could find on their website because they did not have a solid green wrapper stick and they did not have a barber pole stick that was tricolored like the one that I have. Yeah. Um, but every single cigar they had was between 30 and and $100. Jesus. So I have no idea what this thing is or what the value is, but we're going to smoke it, and uh, I'm excited. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're excited because I decided to go out on a limb Good old Walgreens bl brand blenders gold in the in the glass tube, buddy. What are you doing, bro? Well, I have a Nico Rustico, but I was like, you know what? Oh, okay. All I right. haven't had one of these in like ten years because I used to work at Walgreens when I first started smoking cigars. That was, and so I was like, let's see how much of a nightmare these are. Okay. And for five dollars, I'm not expecting much. Hey, it's something. The tube man. is cool. You glass know, tube draw is cool. I don't know what I'll do with it, but I have it. Yeah. Um, In case you need it. We'll jump into this. I, I have the Nico Rustica on deck in case I have to jump ship on this. Okay. I do think it's hilarious that we have the, the lowest end and, in theory, the highest end. <laughs> so this should be interesting. It cut all right. So. All right. Well, that's I'll good. Do a good start. That's good. Um, are you lighting up right now? Yes. I was going to say, we are joined tonight by a pair of friends, Herp family, guests on our show. Um, these two gentlemen are starting something new, something fresh, in case you haven't heard. They're going to make a new podcast. Guys, that's your cue to say something. <laughs> we are. We're uh, we're brand new on the block with a new I was podcast. Waiting. I didn't know how long the intro was going to be. <laughs> yeah, long pause. Insert it's crickets. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so tonight we're joined by Brendan and Jack. And did you forgive it's me? Not like I, you were going to keep going there. For a I know. I, it's been a long day, I man. It's Monday. I put on a lot of fires at work today. So I don't hate me. But what's the name of the new podcast? It's called uh, Beyond the Terrarium. Beyond the Terrarium. That's right. Do you know when I was making the story for tonight's episode, I kept forgetting the name of the podcast. I was like, why do I, I have to keep going back to my search feature to like, because I, I, I have both of your accounts, but like to find that one, I had to keep going back. But Beyond the Terrarium, I love it. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into the awesomeness, are you guys indulging in any adult vices this evening? I've got my girly drink here. Oh, nice. <laughs> I knew. Yeah, I was breaking into Miller Lights, and then I just couldn't do that tonight. So all we had left was high noons. Go ahead, Brendan. I, like I feel like a fraud. I have I have nothing. I have a I have a zero sugar Dr Pepper. If that counts. That's excellent. <laughs> excellent. I'm all about the zero. I yeah. actually I have a Fiji water with lemonade in it. This is so bad. Pink lemonade. Dude, this is horrible. What's horrible? The cigar? The cigar. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it just made me gag. At least you didn't it. burn yourself this time. Like the, I didn't. Yeah. I burned Man up. One Man night. up. I, I can't. 
it's like let me let me paint you a picture. Your grandpa had some musty old socks, right? But he decided to put them in the attic for storage, and then he forgot about them for about 10 years. And then someone happened to be cleaning out said attic, pulled them out, rolled it up, and then tried to smoke it. And that's what we have here. This is bad. Your health. <laughs> I don't know how much more nice. I it's, Oh, it's rough. I thought about doing a, a cigar for the night, but I'd have to post up on my uh, front I'm gonna be honest. Oh, I can't, dude. Oh, my God. Jesus. That good, huh? That is bad. How many? I got like three puffs in on that. Oh, horrible. Horrible. <laughs> oh, we're kicking this one real good. Mm. Well, first impressions um, of this uh, uh, Cuban Seed Cigar Co. What did you call the green wrapper again? Candela. Candela. Now, what is Candela? Spanish for green. Oh, okay. But now, isn't a particular type of leaf from part of the plant to keep it green? No, so it's just not fermented. It's it's as close to like raw leaf as you can get, really. Oh, okay. So those are typically going to be a lot more sort of on the grassy side in terms of flavor. It's not going to be as, um, what's the word, <clears throat> sort of as bold or as upfront uh, in terms of just the strength. It's going to be a little mellower. Okay. Probably well, has more. I think those might have more nicotine in them, though, because they are so so much closer to just the leaf as is without any aging on it or anything like that. But okay. Not a lot of companies can, can pull off candelas. You really don't see a lot of them available um, just because they're not super popular. A lot of people don't like that really grassy, like hay flavor. So yeah. they're kind of, kind of hit or miss. Well, first impressions, it's burning flawless, like no angles, no canoeing, just perfect. The draw is exquisite. Um, it's kind of tasteless to be brutally honest, but it has a very, very pronounced cigar smell, if, if that makes sense. But it, it's damn near tasteless, which is kind of weird. Maybe I just haven't got to it yet. Yeah, I might kick in. <laughs> and uh, Henry says that Candela is Spanish for fire. And Henry would know. Close. You're close. <laughs> I was going to say, Harry was up in the thing. He's like, Verde question mark? Verde question mark? <laughs> I'm actually a little disappointed in Harry. He didn't put the upside down question mark in front of the V, but that's all right. We won't hold it to him. <sighs> uh, anything new down yonder? No, man. No news is good news on my end. Critters are critters. And uh, my mangrove propagules that I have been propagating i should say are uh, almost to the point where they can go in the fish tank they're about the smallest ones probably about 14 15 inches so i think uh maybe towards the end of this week it might be time to transplant and uh i'm excited about that it's the only green thing i can keep alive very nice mangroves are awesome man i'd love to do some of those i'm having a lot of fun with them man i, I really am and 
all of them came from straight salt water as a as a raw propagule um mm -hmm. and i converted them straight to fresh and i really do feel like it took them at least the older ones i had it took them a good four to six months to really get going because they were just in straight fresh water but the larger ones the more the more recent ones i got i got them they're huge man the biggest propagules i've ever seen they were like at least a foot long when i got them before they sprouted and uh i wound up just taking a, a 500 mil fiji bottle cutting the top off and just filling the thing with sand just to get it going and those things they lit right up but i feel like they had more time in salt water to kind of do what they're doing before i put them in the sand and they're like oh shit, sand it's time to move so uh i don't i'm how do i phrase this i'm happy that i'm doing straight fresh water but I imagine if you had a brackish tank, it would make life so much simpler growing them. Yeah, when I had them, I put them in. Um, oh yeah, I bet. with my alligator snapper, and that did not end well. I probably <laughs> spent like thirty bucks, and then like next day they were destroyed. So I need to try them again in a less, uh, uh, you know, a more conducive environment. Yeah. So yeah. you bought them online? Yeah, just from Amazon. Okay, and then they came as a already sprouted propagule or just like a legit seed pod just a seed pod yeah okay all right and then how long did it take them to sprout they didn't uh, okay. <laughs> yeah they got they got, they uh, got trampled <laughs> yeah he actually he took bites out of them he ate half of them so. really? really yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh that's wild he's like yeah. oh this is tubular i can eat this yeah <laughs> yeah Here, let me let me move my chair i'll show you the biggest ones hold on it looks like a fish <laughs> close enough I still want one, man. I just haven't. I just that's a, such a big commitment. It's the easiest animal I own, though. I'll tell you I that. I believe it. <laughs> so it's about oh, as yeah. close to a pet rock as it gets. Yeah, these are approximately six months old ish, and these are the fastest growing ones I've ever had. Yeah! Wow, the Fiji oh, bottle. Wow, yeah. <laughs> He uses it for everything. <laughs> Have you been sponsored by Fiji yet? Because you need to be. No, they won't, dude. They avoid every time I tag them in something. They have. They like. They like. I'm pretty sure I'm blocked. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I've got rattlesnakes in our bottles. He's a liability. <laughs> so there's do some. Any, do you have any light over those, Phil? Uh, no, they get about two or three hours of natural sunlight every day just because of the way the house is. Um, but wow. the ones upstairs in the fish tank, they have uh, just fluval brand plant light. Gotcha. So, and they, they're, they grow phenomenal up there. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like, I feel like it is yeah. super important to use natural sunlight if you can in the early stages, like what, like what these guys are. Yeah. Um, but yeah. once they get to this size, like indoor plant lighting, I'm perfectly fine. Yeah. So I will say this also. Uh, I had a bunch of brown algae spikes because I just had the plant the plant light on for too long, and you know shit happens. And uh, I went up killing the light for like three four days, and I really feel like they did really well having a longer dark period, just that overcast you know cloudy day kind of thing. So I'd leave the light off for oh geez i don't know three four days at a time and the only light that would be in there is when i go in there and turn the light on or just the sun coming through the window that is not anywhere near the fish tank obviously and uh i feel like they're really doing well with the extra shade if that makes sense so Interesting. Yeah. but yeah this is uh these ones are like six months old up see yeah they look good 
Yeah, man. Thank you, guys. Yeah. I want to do them in my Cayman enclosure. I've got a bunch of like planters in the water there. That'd be cool. Yeah. But I got to get them big enough before. Kevin, destroy them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all these animals that want to kill things, man. <laughs> Need some geckos or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can really go up on that front. No, I don't. I don't need geckos. <laughs> oh, man. Look at that. And putting down the cigar to light up a camel freaking crush. Yeah, man. I, I got to let this thing cool down a little bit. It got get a little too warm too quick. Oh, a little yeah. too warm too quick. Oh, look at that. Dustin Black's here. Nice. Danny wants uh, to know why it looks like she, I'm in a closet. Yeah, I'm, in a closet. I'm on my back patio. No. So, yes. Uh, well, you guys are dropping the first episode of the podcast on the first. Yep, this Friday. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, what was the the original? I mean, a how long have you guys been discussing this? Because you guys did a really good <clears throat> job of of keeping it on the wraps. Because it was a complete surprise to me when I saw it. I was like, "What's that?" And then I was like, "Oh." So. Yeah. Good job on that, because I don't think I could have done it. That was tough. That was the worst <laughs> part. What was the initial sort of discussion as far as getting that started? You want to take that, Brennan? I mean, we've we've kind of been talking back and forth about it for a while. Um, it was always like one of those things, like in passing, we'd be like, oh, we should start a podcast and do something. We didn't know exactly what. And then it would just like, you know, get kind of put to the back burner for a while. And then... And, we saw, well, at least I saw Jake and Sky was doing the the Flippin' 10 podcast, and I messaged the the group chat we have going with, like, it's like me, Jack, uh, Chaz, Skyler, all those guys. And I was like, yo, we need to start a podcast. Like, it's it's time. And then no one said anything, and then Jack messaged me and was like, yo, let's do it. So I was like, all right, we're doing it. Nice. So it was it was kind of a thing where we were talking about it a little bit for a while, and then it just, like, kind of just happened within the past few weeks. Hell yeah. yeah. That was probably, what, a month ago, Brennan? Mm, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, probably about a month ago. And I feel like Brennan and I, like, we've, we have these, like, long-form discussions like this anyway um, about, like, <clears throat> about this specific topic that we want to focus on for our podcast. So we're like, we might as well just you know, put it out there for people to listen to and, you know, have some legitimacy to ask other people to come on and, you know, talk to them. It's, I feel like it's easier when you got a podcast, you can say, Hey, you know, come on here, we'll ask you questions versus like, come join this, this three-way call. And let's yeah. Just right. chat. You know? Yeah. Get roped so. into this group chat that you're going to hate in 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what it mostly was though. It's like, we were both like just trying to figure out, you know, ways we could learn more and improve what we're doing currently um, by, you know, having the discussions with each other and then just talking to other people as well. Because um, I think that, you know, we just like bounce ideas off each other a lot. Um, and I think that having that live for people to listen to is good for that other people to get like ideas and stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. So that was my next question. It's going to be a live show or are you guys pre-recording anything? Yeah, we're pre-recording. Okay. Yeah, we're not doing that. I am. You guys are off the cuff live when you're recording. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. No, I we don't want to do too much editing or anything like yeah, that. No, no scripted. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be real. Got to be raw. Yeah. We want to have like a, a solid structure for each episode so that we can like get through what we want to get through. But it's mm -hmm. definitely not going to be like scripted at all or anything like that. Yeah. I, I like those kinds of podcasts, but that's we want to have like free flowing thought and stuff. Organic. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, both of yeah. you have seen sort of the outlines we put together for for THP yeah. and stuff, and I mean, it's it's never anything super hardcore, super yeah. detailed. It's just a loose structure to that that leaves enough room for tangents and follow up questions yeah. and things like mm -hmm. that. You know, it, it seems short when you look at it, but then you know we end up nailing the time frame that we're shooting for, anyways, pretty much every time. Um, yeah. So I mean, it is nice to have like a, at least somewhat of an idea of what direction you're wanting certain episodes to go and, and topics and things covered. So yeah, I couldn't do the whole scripted thing. I don't, wow. I, don't have, I don't know how people do that. You know, it's just, yeah. I think the, the best stuff too comes 20 minutes into a tangent and then you get this yeah. like, Oh yeah. This part that you're like, Whoa, this is what we were shooting the whole episode for that. We didn't even know what we were going for, you know? Right. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter any of the podcasts that we do. I'm like, look, the first 10, 15 minutes, it's kind of mm, fluff, but then it really gets into it, especially if you have a guest, you know, because mm -hmm. then the guest gets to warm up a little bit that everybody, everybody loosens up a little bit and then just the ideas flow and the conversation flows. So, yeah. yeah. What is yeah, the, uh, like, uh, like, uh, listening, like listening into a conversation kind of deal, you know? Yeah, that's how this show started, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, just wanted to hang out and talk cool things, so. Yeah, and the fact that you guys are very far apart, the same way that, you know, Smitty and I are very far apart, mm -hmm. and it it makes it all the much better, you know? Yeah, yeah plus it gives me an excuse to see Brennan's pretty face every week. That's That uh... beard, man, that luscious, <laughs> luscious beard. Oh. Come on, you're gonna you're gonna make me blush on live screen here. Come you can't on. see it; it's covered in thick black hair. <laughs> What's the uh, no, the plan? Fun, it's a good time. What's the the basis of the of the podcast going to be? <clears throat> yeah, we want to focus on like uh, DIY naturalistic care, so like uh, like home projects, basically that you would do for your reptiles, whether that's like actually building enclosures or like you know, building a tool that you're going to use or um, some sort of enrichment item that you're using inside of your cage, something like that, that, um, you know, that anybody can kind of do, but some people are just have figured out a way to do it, you know, way better than everyone else and kind of trying to unlock the secrets of how they're doing that. So, which, which is honestly great for me. Uh, I'm super duper excited about it. And I know I've picked both your brains before and I, I really, I really put the tweezers inside Dustin Gron's head because he's got some killer enclosures, right? And my biggest problem is not the DIY aspect. It's in my mind, it's going to go one way. And I, I procrastinate the execution of it because I'm afraid, okay, well, what if I do this? What if I do that? Well, should I buy these or should I buy those? And I'm like, man, I just spent two hours Googling acrylic paints. Mm -hmm. I just need to just go by the foam, you know, like, like, mm -hmm. let's not, yeah. let's pull an invisible cart up uphill, you know, with no horses. Right. So that's, I'm excited for that aspect to kind of give me an idea of where to jump off so that I'm not perpetually procrastinating and not overthinking everything, you know? Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I, that's a topic yeah. we have already discussed, I think, on the first episode is like, mm-hmm. not just where to find the motivation, but how to deal with it when you're like, I hate everything that I'm doing right now, because that's going to happen. That's like, everyone goes through that. And it like, even when you're very proud of something at the end, you're going to hate it the entire time you're doing it, because it's hard to see the final vision. But it's like, it's, it, you almost always end up some, with something you're happier with than you know a blank enclosure anyway so it's like you might as well just keep going and then take lessons for it for the next time yeah absolutely so. and like, i have a friend i work with who's who's longtime herper longtime reptile keeper and he's totally off the radar he's he's not into this stuff but i sent him both your guys stuff i sent him some other people's stuff and uh dude he's making some killer vivs and uh, everything from carp pythons to dart frogs and cresties and stuff and I asked him, I was like, Hey man, you know, I'm thinking about doing this with the foam and then with this foam or that foam. And I was like, how do you, how do you do it? He goes, well, you know, it took me four months. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah man. He's like, don't, you, you can't do it in like a Sunday. Like it's just not going to happen. And I feel like that's another problem that I have is in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to allocate eight hours to do this and it doesn't get done. I get angry. I throw mm-hmm. stuff out. Like that's another thing that I can't wait to hear your guys aspect in the future as to how to tackle projects and time management skills. Like I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the, like the, the Polycris build I just did that, that background took me, I mean, I worked on it probably 30 minutes to an hour a day for like two and a half weeks, basically. So it's like, you know, if you have a little bit of time, you can, you can work at it a little bit. You don't have to get so much done at once. Like, you can have your background and get the spray foam on it and let it dry. And then you can just let that chill for a week if you have to, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to really jump. Like as soon as you start it, you don't have to completely finish it yeah. that day or the next day or the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it's very much a, a trust the process, take your time, get it right kind of deal. Nice. And being like, okay, like you got to have a, another cage for the animal. Like you can't be yeah. like having to put the animal in you know, tomorrow and trying to get quicker. That's the biggest thing, I think. Cause if you don't have to put the animal in right away, you got tons of time. You got unlimited time. Yeah. But if you got to put it in right away, it you know, it makes you rush and then you're not gonna be as happy with it. Yeah, I feel like there there's a, a lot more people that there's a lot more people than people realize who say, Okay, I'm going to the show this weekend. I know I'm picking up X, Y, and Z. Um, mm-hmm. I have this viv that I just bought and I've been waiting to to build it out because I'm anticipating the species, but then they're like, oh crap. Well, it can just live in a deli cup for a couple of days and I'll build it. And it's like, yeah. no way, man. Yeah. No. Yeah. Then it's in a deli cup yeah. for weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It don't work that way. And it's a lot of people just don't, I guess they just don't realize, like if you don't jump into it and try, you don't even like realize the process. Like a lot of people are just so overwhelmed with just like, like you were saying, like, what kind of phone do I use? You know, do I carve it with a knife? Do I carve it with like a hot wire tool from Amazon? You know, there's so many different options and different like ways to do things. It's, it gets overwhelming. Yeah. And they all work too. But I feel like when you tell people that it stresses them out more, they need like a one, a one way, you know, (laughs) they want the the air sheet. Well, yeah. it's, the, it's yeah. the, the paradox of choice. You know, you give yeah. people too many options, they're not going to pick anything. You just, that's, yeah. people yeah. just, mm-hmm. they, I think, like for me, especially sort of going back to the dart frogs and stuff when I was doing those builds, it was like, 
okay, you know, is the great stuff foam the, like what people are using for the most part, or is there a better alternative that I'm just not mm-hmm. aware of, you know? So there was a lot of digging and stuff there, but <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely when there's so many, many ways people are, are skinning the cat now, it's, uh, it's tough to know sort of what's trustworthy information and, and what, what isn't. So, yeah. And then you'll kick yourself after you do it too. Cause you're like, Oh, I wish I would have done it. You know, the other way, like I've got a carpet Python enclosure downstairs that I've probably got 200, 300 pounds of concrete in that I really wish I didn't use concrete for. <laughs> it's now that things I got to use a dolly to move that. But, um, but you only learn that from doing it, you know, like mm-hmm. you're not gonna see a YouTube video or something. Um, that's going to tell you it's going to weigh, you know, that much because I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> I've seen that, but, um, but I, hopefully that's what we can get out of the podcast is like at least base level, people can kind of learn from the mistakes we've made already. Sure. Um, and then, you know, Brendan and I both want to do like projects while we're filming this, you know, so we'll be able to talk about those and like takeaways and stuff from that, that, um, people will be able to take as well from it. Hell so. yeah. Awesome. Very, very excited. And Mike said, I've always said, if you can see it in your mind's eye, you can build it, which, yeah, uh, like I can I can picture things pretty clearly, like the presentum build I had, like the idea I had for that was, was pretty clear to me. But for me, it's a technical thing. Like I, I can see what I want to do with a cage very clearly, but then when it comes to the execution and like the technical aspects of building stuff and putting things together. Like that's where I, I can fall short, short, you know, and I know for a lot of people like building cages, um, you know, I, if I did that, I would not have a square or level (laughs) cage because I'm just, I, I'm horrible at math and I, I don't, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm not handy. It's, it's not for us, man. It's I'm the same way. And like watching you and Jake do Python portals, as simplistic as that is, that's hard, man. You got to measure, like the old adage, like, you know, measure twice, cut once. No, oh, measure were- 12 times, <laughs> possibly cut twice, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I give you and Jake all the credit for those things. Because I, I remember watch, watching your guys' videos of you guys cutting Python portals and you openly saying, yeah, we messed this one up. Time to go get another one, you know? But I also feel like it's a big difference when you're dealing with a $20 tub Mm-hmm. that is in theory disposable opposed to say a 250 or more exoterra glass enclosure you know yeah yeah so yeah but the good yeah. part is though is is you can if you really mess it up you can rip it out you know yeah. you can start yeah. over if it's glass pvc is a little different depending on how you attach it but if it's glass you can rip that shit right yeah just yeah, I actually, uh, I'm, I've got so many ideas in my mind and, and now I'm at the point now where I have the animals I want. I have the enclosure sizes that I want. I'll probably get a couple bigger things as things grow, but it's time to, it's time to vivid up. You know, I, I yeah. can't do, I just can't do dirt in a water bowl anymore. Yeah. Like I just, mm-hmm. I just, I, I morally can't, I visually can't. So I'm things have definitely you- shifted a lot. I think sort of in the beginning, you know, within the last couple of years, it seems like they're, you know, the, the anti-rack crowd was was the loudest. And, you know, a lot of people kind of were turned off to, to what they were trying to get, the, you know, the point they were trying to get across. And I think over the last, you know, three-ish years or so, people have, have slowly started to come around more to like 
what they were saying because it's not being shoved in your face, you know, aggressively, mm-hmm. and you're not being told that you're a horrible human being for using a rack. Um, so I think now, yeah, a lot of people are starting to definitely switch it up and and shift to more display type enclosures over, yeah. over racks. Yeah. yeah. And we're definitely not anti-rack at all. Like I've got a rack, my friend's got a rack behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like for me, it's like much more enjoyable to go down and like see all my reptiles out or like at least using their enclosures versus sure. like having to pull a drawer open and look at them, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's easier to forget about them too, which is a bad thing to say, I guess, but like, you no, know, it's the truth. Yeah, it's much easier to forget about them when you don't see them every day when you walk in. So, yeah, I also feel like and we've talked about this a million times on a million different podcasts. But yes, there's a place for racks and there's a place for vivs, but it, it really comes down to species too. So, like, mm-hmm. I've got most of my species I keep, they just don't do well in racks, man. And it's a ventilation thing, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many air holes you do, you're still going to end up with an issue. And mm-hmm. like even my subox, my Transpecos rat snakes, oh, yeah. I I have them in Rubbermaid tubs with a million air holes, and they're perfectly fine. But if I put them in a drawer, yeah, man, just it just it doesn't matter how many air holes I do. It's the fact that it's in that confined, static, yeah. stagnant drawer, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's great. Yeah, yeah, and too with the species specific, I think that's a major thing we want to hit on too. Is like talking to people who like specialize in individual species and talking about like, we call it significant behaviors um, that the the species like exhibits mm-hmm. and how you accommodate that in an enclosure. Um, and, you know, like for a lot of things, you can do that very easily in a tub, but for a lot of things you can't like, you know, carpet pythons are a great example. Like they need some height, you know, they got to be able to get up and climb and that's much harder to do in a rack unless you've got, you know, some big, big drawers. But um it's much easier in a cage. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I think even on that level, if we're talking species and stuff too, like you're also shooting, you want a species that, you know, you know is going to utilize the, what you're giving it and yeah. is actually going to be out and about. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of species. I mean, even in dart frogs, you know, you can give them a really nice decked out tank, but because that species is just so, so shy, you're just not going to see them. And it's kind of, mm-hmm kind of sucks like you hear them all the time but to see them is like a quick flash and then they're gone um yeah so i mean there's there's some species that you know like the jansen eye i I would love to have the jansen eye out on display but even with a nice sort of bigger setup with a lot of hide options and climbing options like i still i very rarely actually see them out and about for longer than 10 seconds yeah Uh, Yeah. so i don't know there's some that i feel like it's almost wasted on because they're just not going to not gonna use they're not you know they're not gonna see them a whole lot yeah it could be individual specific too like yeah i have some carpets who are constantly perching up on their logs and i have some that i never see they're just in their hide all day long so like it's really just depending on not only the species but like the individual animal that you have too true true and i know it's different now that we have cameras in our rooms we have cameras in our enclosures you know you can hop on the wi-fi and see what your critter is doing while you're at work but i know there's also a lot of animals that when you're not home they know you're not home and they're yeah. utilizing every inch of that cage because they know between you know nine and five <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the the giant hairless monkey's gone so yeah 
or and it's not even just like hiding it's like sometimes like my cayman it it's an example of this like it's he's out when i'm down there but he's like at the glass like he wants me to feed him you know and he's not like acting naturally if yeah. i you know i wasn't down there like normally he'd be out roaming around or doing whatever you'd be doing but i don't get to see that because he's only begging for food when i'm down there so yeah, yeah he's puppy dogging yeah exactly it's a lot yeah. too. what species <laughs> and how big He's a trigonotus. Uh, okay. trigonotus. He's like three and a half, four, somewhere in between there. Nice. Um, nice. Is he mellowed out at all or no? No, God, no, no. He's uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a, he's a different beast for sure. Um, I love him. I, I just don't really mess with him very much unless I have to like move yeah. or something Yeah. Um, because his, his teeth have gotten quite, quite large now. So yeah, man. Yeah. I know that cool. bite real well. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. That oh. was one of, one of my worst bites I ever took was from a three foot one of them. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't so much the, you know, hundred needles in my hand all at once. It was the fact that I had just did a water change and now the entire crystal clear tank is just red oh, no. with my blood. <laughs> and I was like, son of a bitch, I got to take him out again. I got to drain the enclosure again. <laughs> it's like a hundred, hundred gallons. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Like a shark attack right there. Yeah, it's, it was so quick and like it wasn't even that painful, but just just yeah. the blood. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely don't want to get bit by him. I was talking to somebody who got bit and they were like, yeah, it was like 75 grand just for the the doctor to come like look at my hand pretty much. Oh, wow. A hand specialist in. So. Wow. Yeah, no, I got lucky. I got real lucky. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But he's a he's a hands off for sure. But I just put a camera in the other day, yesterday, so I get to get to watch him now when I'm not down there. So, excellent for that, yeah. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So good stuff. Yeah. See, it's uh. so weird that they know that, like, they have the association of food, but then if you try to do any interaction outside of that, it's it's a big no no. You know? Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre that that they know what that you're you're the one with the goods. <laughs> but if you try to do anything outside of that, they just absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's like it's like that one pet cat at your your cousin's house that, you know, if you stand there, it'll come and like rub on your leg and be all friendly. But the minute you pet it, you get bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, yeah. my terms, bitch. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to be honest, I I almost would rather have a caiman that was spunky like that than one that was just overly placid like some of the ones you see on instagram where mm -hmm. they're just numb to human interaction which yeah. is probably way safer but at the same time i feel like they, they lost a little bit of themselves does that make sense yeah i also think that it's it's not really like they're used to you it's like just over like way too much stress oh know? yeah oh no they're, they're broken like like a, yeah. like a mustang horse yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah. want them to be as natural as possible versus like agreed yeah so yeah and on the on the cayman front we did a full episode about kevin that's yeah. going to be coming out also like we, okay. we dove pretty deep on on kevin and his enclosure and everything too so yeah nice yeah that's great guys that'll be cool. good considering how many people get into to dwarfs um, oh god yeah you know that's yeah. it's it's really troubling to me there's mm -hmm. a local store here that was selling them like they were freaking skills man they were they were <laughs> he was selling them like crazy and i'm like yeah where are these things going how long are they even living like just yeah, yeah. 
Why? Not long. Yeah. Not long. I'm in a bunch of Facebook groups for it. Um, and just the questions that get asked in there, you're like, yeah, man, like you haven't even like done a single Google search on this other than like Cayman's for sale, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. You don't ever see the, the bigger ones for sale. I think if people saw nope. those and realized what they were getting into, that they would not be getting those things. But when you see them as the tiny little babies are adorable and you know, people are all about it. Yeah. And the paywall isn't high enough to stop people from impulsively getting one, you know, yeah. if anything, yeah. they're getting cheaper and cheaper. It seems like by yeah. the year. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a bummer. I've always wanted some, but it's just, it's completely out of the realm of, of like the scope of space and, and commitment for me to, to yeah. do that. You know, sure. just, I'd love to have one. They've, I've been fascinated by them since I was a kid, but it just, it's not in the cards, you know? It's yeah. Just not, yeah, it's it's a huge undertaking for sure. And I think we talked about this on the last episode of THN or THP I did. Um, but like the difference too between like a trigonotis and a palpabrosis is massive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The trigs are all wild caught, at least with, with the uh the palpabrosis, you can get them captive bred from a couple places, but the trigs are all wild caught and they get two feet bigger, which is a lot of size for a crocodilian. So the difference between the two is huge. So but we talked about that too on the podcast is like, if you're going to do it, I recommend don't, but if you, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to do it. I would do a, a palpabrosis versus trigonotis. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, but having, an, having an episode like that, mm -hmm. you know, that you can send to people or you can have that in that group and basically say, if, if you're getting into these things, yeah, here at least is a resource that is like, you've had Kevin for you know a while now it's proven mm -hmm. it's working like, do with it what you will. Yeah. You know, I think that is a, it's a big, that's a big thing. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. The, um, that's cool that you're going to talk about larger species with larger mm -hmm. enclosures. I feel like, you know, I saw, uh, uh, both Mike Stefani and, and Henry Hendog Martinez are in the uh, group chat and both of them have, large animals and large enclosures and i haven't chatted to mike that much about it but uh, watching henry build man and like not realizing how much money that much abg mixes to the point where the dude's making his own by literally the truckload yeah and and yeah, it, it, yeah it's 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 great that you guys are going to be diving into that and dissecting that I'm, I'm very excited for that too that's cool man yeah, I think money. Yeah, a big part of it too that I, I wanted to I wanted to do was include prices of everything that we do, like and mm -hmm. in the breakdown of the episodes, yeah. like prices of the enclosure, prices of you know all the foam we used or the the vines or the lights, because you know me and Jack are both Arcadia freaks, so like Arcadia is not cheap, you know. Yeah. So mm -hmm. like doing a full a full price breakdown on the episode. So that people realize that yeah you can build these these big enclosures for these animals but it's not cheap you know yeah. to do it right you gotta spend the money you know yeah yeah for sure and, and it's not like you could go buy something so you're gonna have to build it yourself like if you're getting into something yeah. large like you gotta be able to be handy in order to build something because you can't just like go get a contractor to come build i mean maybe you could but like trying to explain to him hey i'm trying to 
build an enclosure for a Cayman. Can you help me yeah. out? And, yeah. and if you if you do find that one contractor, you better best believe you're going to be paying top dollar yeah. because yeah. they are specialists. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then I also feel like it, it, people forget too about maintenance and upkeep. Like, yep. let's just talk about lights. How long are your Arcadia lights good for? Eight months? A year? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and and the, the days of writing the date on the sticker and sticking it on the on the ballast, th those are long gone, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. so uh, thinking about okay, how many light bulbs am I going to need to buy for the next twenty five years? Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah can't make your own light bulbs unfortunately yeah yeah or do i spend triple the money and buy leds <laughs> yeah. yeah and even then too if you're if you're building an enclosure you have to be an electrician you have to be a plumber you know you have to at least know a little bit if not you know youtube is is like the king of, of diy in that aspect but you gotta you know if you don't wire a light right you you can burn your house down like yes yeah. it's very possible yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you gotta gotta be careful. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very excited. This is this is good. This is real good. I'm eager to see all the foam techniques, man. Both spray and cut block density, like different different viscosities of adhesives. Yeah. Very excited. I uh, found out the hard way that super glue melts styrofoam. Yep. So I made one of the coolest rock enclosures ever. I was I had an afternoon off and I was like, oh man, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna whittle, you know, I'm just gonna whittle styrofoam. I got a little exacto blade. I'm gonna make these rocks. I'm gonna stack them and it's gonna be great. And I started super glue and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then I was like, wait a minute, why is it smaller? <laughs> <laughs> so again, eager to hear tips and the tricks. This is gonna be good. Yeah, it starts getting that like pus like thing coming out of it. That's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think whatever th this is all foam I stole from, uh, like, uh, I guess it was drywall insulation or something, but my work, somebody sent us a box and they used that as like packing material. And I had like a, a bunch of nice big sheets of it, the blue stuff. And dude, it just mm -hmm. like ate through it like acid. And I was like, what <laughs> is happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I was at one point I was like, man, I, if I ever needed to like make nooks and crannies i could just drop it super glue yeah. just yeah ask and eat it Let away, it away. <laughs> yeah yeah a little pockmarked stone you know yeah super glue I, the only thing i use super glue for because of that is um in aquariums you can use it like if you put it on um cotton balls and like put it in between like a rock and a, and a stick or something and then fill it with super glue it like creates like a concrete bond between the two yeah. and sticks them together so that's how I like oh. sink wood. Really? You know? Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. You guys are already starting, man. This is great. <laughs> it's like completely unbreakable too. It's insane yeah. how hard it actually gets. So yeah. you have you have two pieces of foam, like dense insulation foam, and you take a cotton ball, you put it, but you sandwich it together like a s'more, and then you just coat the cotton ball in super glue. You might have to dry lock them first for the foam because okay. otherwise it'll melt the the foam yeah. there. Okay. But um, if you dry lock it, it should work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I actually have a one gallon can of clear dry lock in my snake room in anticipation of building things. Never opened it. <laughs> it's just, just covered in dust. Just like one day. <laughs> that stuff's not cheap either, man. It's going up in price. Yeah. It seems like about a day. Yeah. yeah. It's so good though. Yeah. It's, yeah I love man. it. I use it for everything. Yeah. 
Now, do you guys uh, you guys add colored dye to your dry lock, or are you just doing paint? Mm -hmm. So I do the the white tintable dry lock, and then you get at like Home Depot they sell the bottles of the liquid concrete color mix. It's just like a a liquid dye, and you just dump that in, mix it up, and then paint it on. And then I do like so my girlfriend's like an insane artist, so like she's helped me a lot with like all the acrylic paints and like all that crazy stuff I have no idea about. So like we like this cage we did we dry locked it and then i literally had her stand behind me like tell me okay use this color mix it with this and like paint it here with the acrylic paints to make it look weathered and stuff but yeah definitely the the tentable dry lock with the concrete pigments the way to go that's yeah. great mm -hmm. and the one thing too is there's only like three colors of the tint so you, you kind yeah. of if you're trying to do anything outside of those three colors you gotta kind of use paint um mm -hmm. But then, I, like, I usually use paint anyway just to add, like, extra, like, moss or, you know, like, white lichen or something on there as well. Yeah. Um, so I use the paint anyway, but. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, Are you awesome. guys going to get into, like, plants and things like that, too? Like, plant species that you're yeah. partial to? Yeah. And... We, we love plants. <laughs> Both of us. I feel like we bonded pretty heavily on that, for sure, so. <laughs> Brennan's got like a whole a whole plant jungle collection downstairs. Yeah, it's it's become a problem, man. <laughs> it's like reptiles. You start with one, it's like, oh well, I can just I'll buy another one. I already know how to take care of this one. And then next thing you know, you have plants in your living room and your bathroom and your bedroom, and it's just Yeah. It's a lot, but they're cool, they're fun. And it makes the enclosure. Like if yeah. you put a nice big pretty plant in there, just like it makes it pop. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we also, we've got an episode planned to talk about like biotopes generally and like if it's worth doing that necessarily because it's kind of hard to get, you know, you've got a very specific group of house plants that are readily available that you can go to like Lowe's or Home Depot. Right. And get, you know, so it makes it a lot harder if you're trying to do biotopes. But that's definitely a whole episode we want to talk about because I feel like biotopes are huge in the fish community, which Brennan and I are both pretty involved with, uh, with fish keeping as well. Um, so we get that side of it, but it's, it's a lot harder in the reptile side, just because there's, you know, fish people have plants specifically for fish people, you know, we yeah. don't have like plants specifically for reptiles. So, yeah. um, it's harder that way, but mm. Definitely want to talk plants. We love plants. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna put a request in because I keep most of the desert species, and yeah, I've been trying to look at different succulents and different, you know, thornless species of cacti, and mm -hmm. it is hard to keep them alive in a viv, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I see these guys on YouTube that they make these desert vivs, and there's actually one guy who he did a time lapse of like, not not a straight time lapse, but he did hundreds of videos of his vivarium over the course of like a year and he went through the season change and he had like seasonal aquatic copepods that only hatch from their zygote when it rains and like he oh, made wow. it he made it rain in the enclosure and like you saw the shit swimming underwater and then as the temperature rose through summer all the water dried away and they all they just disappeared and then come autumn he made it rain again and it, they all came alive again like doing uh, blue feigning beetles and uh, puts a scorpion in there and like cohabbing inverts and all that was awesome but 
it's just keeping succulents alive in a viv you know and it's a lot different when you have something like a reptile that's slithering over it or ripping it up or digging it out or unearthing it so i'm, I'm eager for you guys to get some some desert plant action in there too yeah yeah we're gonna have to talk to somebody who knows that <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I'll, after this, I'll send you guys that video. It's a, it's crazy cool, man. Yeah. It's the, one of the coolest vivs I've ever seen. At one point, he's like being silly, and the guy puts his adult bearded dragon in there, and the bearded dragon takes up like the whole ten gallon. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and now we're going to add a reptile, and like he just puts the beardy in there. It's like obviously it's a gag. Like he's not keeping yeah, yeah. it in there, but but still, it's like it, it's it's incredible. And and talking about soils and like you know, Smitty and I did a whole substrate episode recently, and like making your own composite soils and like mm -hmm. dude so much stuff can be bought at home depot yeah, yeah. dude oh, buying yeah. the a and g and stuff is just insane once i figured out that i could yeah. make like a gigantic tub full of that stuff for the same price as one of those little ass bags online yep. i was like i'm never never buying that stuff again you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. ridiculous yeah. and i mean and some of the stuff I, i'll always buy like jungle mix dude cocoa fur swag ground up to a pulp like i don't have that kind of machinery i'll just buy the bag you know but other things like for my for my rock rattlesnakes it's literally uh home depot ground sand like not play sand it's like ground potting sand mm -hmm. pea gravel and like some uh uh what do they call it? i think they call it like bedrock stone which is obviously contradictory but it's basically landscaping rocks. I bought two 30 pound bags mm -hmm. and I like that shit's going to last me decades, you know? Yeah. So yeah. 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 We definitely want to have a whole episode on, on dirt, I think. Cause you're going to have a lot of episodes on dirt, my friend. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Get some, get some earthworm people in there and some, mm -hmm. some soil dudes who like, That's, yeah. 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 I really want to try the, try the earthworm thing. I've been looking into it a little bit, but I don't I don't know much about it yet. But yeah, it looks I cool put and it seems like it would work well. In a in a feeble attempt to get Atrictaspis uh, stiletto snakes to eat, I put night crawlers in all their enclosures. Mm -hmm. And needless to say, the snakes did not eat the night crawlers, uh, but they they failed at surviving. And I obviously whatever they need to eat and live and survive in soil goes far beyond just potting soil because every single yeah. one i found dead in the water bowl mm -hmm. so they would oh, just wow. they would they would seek out the water bowl and they would just they would just drown in there maybe they can't get out maybe i need to make it rain more i don't know but you know they're not springtails they're not isopods i've had horrible luck keeping earthworms alive in a dirt in, in a dirt vivarium you know my my box of dirt so yeah. be interested to, to see other people's aspects on that and like people that have like worm farms like an yeah. ant farm you know how are they doing it you know how yeah, can we yeah. how can we learn from worm farm people you know yeah i got worms i got worms harry and lloyd i need to set up a worm farm bad because i'm buying way too much in worms to to feed my turtles so that was definitely <laughs> a, a cool project to to talk about yeah oh for sure well, i mean what are the worm farms what are they doing to feed and keep theirs yeah no idea just Not a clue. food yeah. waste probably I bunch of apple cores and something yeah yeah who knows man who knows they i feel like uh, compared to isopods they're a lot more sensitive and they need a lot more nutrition um 
because they, you know, they're much bigger. Um, and then they've got that gross skin or whatever. <laughs> so they, yeah. you know, they just take in everything from the outside. So um, ice pods are probably a lot more hardy. So, yeah, for sure. Still blows my mind that those have become as popular as they have. <laughs> it's it's great though, man. It really is. Yeah. You know, when it, did that start? I feel like it wasn't it wasn't a thing. Yeah, I, maybe like 2016, 2017. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe 2018 was when people really started like selling them. You know, it wasn't mm -hmm. just in a vial from a company. Yeah. yeah. I I've never seen them as anything other than like a utility type. Yeah. Addition, yeah. You know, and so when people are spending serious money on like those rubber duckies and things yep. like that, it's mm -hmm. like, what is happening? Yeah. I'd love to Dude. talk to the first person who like was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to sell these things and people are going to want to buy them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you go to Daytona circa 2018, 2019, there was a, a isopod dealer who yeah. had like these little toy ones mm -hmm. yeah. that they had made these like little roly poly action figures and dude people were buying those yeah it's crazy yeah it, it's yeah that came out of nowhere <laughs> yeah yeah but i am i am happy to see more people using a diversity of invertebrates for their naturalist enclosures whether it be feigning beetles or or night crawlers or yeah. whatever. And you know, I know there's some guys locally that were putting, uh, we have a local species of centipede that they call it blue ring, but it's, it's super tiny. It's like this little three inch long centipede, very small. And they're using those because they're so small that they're not going to hurt the mm -hmm. reptile that's being, that's living in there. And if it is an invert eater, it may even eat the centipedes mm -hmm. and they're doing something They're If not just aerating soil, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like I've so I've got all my reptiles like in a it's basically a basement, but it's realistically a crawl space. So my house is like on a hill, so it's a crawl space, but it's basically a basement. And uh, because of that, there's like tons of spiders down there, like a lot of them. And I just leave them because they're not going to like bite the reptile as far as I'm yeah. concerned, but they're going to take care of, you know, all those annoying flying insects and all that. So I just leave them in there. And I feel like those are something that people always get scared about having in their enclosure but yeah they're probably good well i think also a lot of people are afraid of especially people that live in uh more urban and suburban communities where there's a lot of spraying because mm -hmm. yeah. you know we always say don't feed bugs from outside because they could have pesticides or they could yeah. have parasites and i know that spiders are extremely resilient to pesticide, but they'll keep it on their exoskeleton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you have a, a gecko ate a, a wolf spider that happened to crawl in its enclosure and the gecko died. Well, it's not because yeah. it ate a wolf spider, it's because that wolf spider probably had raid on it from somebody, yeah. you know, who knows? Yeah. yeah. So. A little garnish. We'll <laughs> chill on the top. That's right. <laughs> What's uh what's a species that you guys think should be kept in more natural like like a species that's that's popular that you think is a better candidate for for the naturalistic type setup that people are overlooking? I got my answer, Brandon. You want to go? Um, go ahead. I'm still thinking. curious your your thoughts too. I would say carpet pythons. 
I feel like carpet pythons are like a great display animal that people tend to keep in enclosures that they can't view them properly. But I mean, they'll perch like a green tree or they'll be on the ground or whatever. They'll, they'll make use of a full enclosure. Um, and I think an animal like that, that will like fully take advantage of an enclosure is the best candidate. Mm -hmm. so, I'm going to go out on a limb with this one a little bit. Baird's rat snakes. And I will tell you why. I have Justin the female you sent me in this three foot black box with the, the red rock background. I don't know if you've you've seen it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Dude, ever since I put her in there, this snake has like just the I don't know, the activity in the cage. She's all over the place all the time. She's constantly like crawling through the rock crevices. Like, you know, she dug through the, so I have like a, a bottom ledge that's like two yeah. inches off the ground that I have stuffed with sphagnum moss. She is like, went underneath that, built a little cave system that she crawls through. It's so cool, man. She's just, since I put her in there, she's the most active snake in this room now. And it's, it's just, it's incredible to see. Just like the natural behaviors of like climbing through the rocks and stuff. It's mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, those have been on my list for to do a setup like that, sort of after yeah. going to, to West Texas and seeing the, the rock cuts and things like that. It'd be so cool to, to set up something, even if it's not even real real plants, because some of those I don't think yeah. would, would work well in, in actual caging and smaller space like that. But right. something, you know, fake stuff that looks as close to natural as possible, I think it would be really cool. I took some pictures of those rock cuts while I was there, because mm -hmm. at some point I would like to set up something like that and be able to look at those pictures and try and mimic, you know, what I saw as best as possible. But yeah, I definitely agree that any of those sort of rock cut active species, yeah. you know, would be a really cool candidate for that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's a, that's an interesting topic too, is the, the fake plants. Like I use a ton of fake plants and mm -hmm. people start going down this rabbit hole of setting everything up in a naturalistic cage. And they're like, I got to get rid of the fake plants and put live plants in there. But I mean, if, if you want to use fake and you get some nice looking ones, it doesn't look any different, you know? Um, yeah. I use big you know. fake fern bundles from Walmart yeah. for my Jansen. I just, because it's yeah. a great cheap option to really pack out, you know, mm -hmm. pack in there and, and visual mm -hmm. barriers and stuff, you know, they work, they work great and they hold up really well. Yeah. The, the best plants I've seen. Oh, go ahead, um, Go ahead. I was just going to say the fake, the best fake plants I've, I've seen, and I've got a couple of them are from Ikea, actually. They've yeah, got, awesome. yeah, they've got really realistic fake plants. So that's really? where I'm from. Yeah. I, uh, I go to Hobby Lobby, man. Yep. And yeah. dude, Hobby Lobby has a ton of We're small, about to small get stuff. One here. I'm stoked about it. Yeah, dude, they have and they have so many sales mm -hmm. and and dude, I'll, I've got all these little, I mean, for lack of a better word, succulents and cacti that are they cost like three, four dollars a piece, which is steep. Yeah. But dude, you put them under hot water, wash them off with dawn. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, if a snake mm -hmm. takes a crap in the in the flower part of the plant. You just yeah. pull it out, wash it off, and shove it back in, you know? Yeah. And so. I will say on that note, that is something I did when I was doing fake plants for Cresteds, and I was, you know, getting a ton of just fake ivy or something from Amazon. It was coming from, like, China or whatever. Um, I would 
soak it in like hot water for a yeah. while because i yeah. noticed like those the dyes and stuff would start yeah. to leach out so mm-hmm. we got to the point where i just started soaking those and kind of getting rid of as much of that as possible so pretty much with anything fake now at this point uh unless it's like that harder plastic stuff that you get from like pet smart yeah um, i'm definitely gonna gonna soak and try and get as much of that out as i can yeah, yeah for sure yeah. And I'll say this too. Uh, uh, I think it's Zoom. Is it, I think it's Zoomed and Exoterra just recently started producing some desert flora that is stuff that you won't find at Michael's. You you won't yeah. find it at the Silk Plant Store because it's ugly. It, it's desert weeds, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a couple um, like thorny thorny bush type stuff, and I bought those. And and I took. Uh, they actually come with their own little stone base to them and you shove them through and the but the bottom of the plant is fake roots because oh, wow. those those species the roots come through the rock crevices and stuff yeah so i i thought that was great so i actually just uh i put some super glue in there shoved it in there and i'm actually i'm i'm in the process of building new they're vivariums but they're still gonna be tubs just for safety reasons but for the uh the fields vipers mm-hmm. and dude i put that base in there and then i packed excavator clay around it and I'm going to just dry lock that as its own like little base. And now mm-hmm. it's it's set and it's plastic. Yeah. You know, and I could put I could put a couple drops of uh um mineral spirits in there and the thing will just it'll dissolve the super glue and just pop right out. Yeah, you know, if I ever want to replant it or whatever. So I'm actually I'm happy that that yeah, that I paid like eight dollars a plant because it's made by Exoterra, but they look fantastic. And it's a yeah. weed from the Negev Desert or Egypt yeah. that where am I gonna find that at a hobby lobby? Yeah. You know? So where are you even gonna find a live version of it? Yeah, and, and I did I tried that. There's actually um there's a plant that I'm probably gonna have someone make just because I think it's super cool. Uh I cannot remember the species name. But it's a thorny, uh, I guess in, in Hebrew, they call it like desert rose or whatever, but it, it's it only, it only, uh, there we go. Uh, it only grows in the Negev desert and it only grows on this particular type of rock formation because of the way that like the dew rolls off the rock and stuff. But dude, how cool is that? Oh, wow. Oh, that's awesome. That would bring a tear to Sting's eye. <laughs> looks like it that's super cool yeah and i guess they they bloom in like september november october um i said i know i said those months backwards but yeah and i'm gonna put that in several different you know israeli and egyptian species that i keep so i figured they look great you Mm -hmm. know if i could find them or have someone fabricate one or maybe i could fabricate them after listening to your podcast yeah man that would be interesting. Yeah. yeah. So do some experimentation. Yeah. So I'm curious. I don't know that we've talked about it in previous episodes. Maybe we have, but like your take on keeping venomous in naturalistic setups like that, where maybe it's harder to do maintenance, you know, work with that whatever species is is in there. Uh, where you right. have like rock background type deals mm-hmm. with the foams yeah. and the crevices and stuff. Yeah. Like, do uh, you do you think that's? I guess it's completely dependent on the species A, but 
like for me, like with the green trees, it's kind of an example. Like you can do naturalistic. Personally, I think it's just causing more problems. Like you're asking for more issues by keeping them that way. Is it do you do you feel it's a similar thing with venomous? So it is. It's a thousand percent species specific, but it's also keeper specific too, because there are venomous keepers. And I don't want this to come off snooty. I don't want this to come off condescending or elitist in any way. But there are certain venomous keepers who are doing a good job keeping venomous. They're safe, they're professional, but they maybe didn't get as extensive handling training as some other people in our community. And it's not to say that they can't do it. It's to say that they didn't have the venue to learn it, right? Mm -hmm. Or they, or maybe they didn't know that they could learn it. So for those individual people, I would say maybe steer away from it until you are more uh, savvy with extraction techniques but I think it's I think it's great. You know, if somebody buys a Tremersor species, a, a Asian green tree viper species of some sort, popes. and they want to, what's that? A white lip or a popes or something. Yeah, white lip viper, a popes viper, um, uh, palm vipers, if you will. Hague and I. So, well, then that I was actually going to say Hague and I in a negative. So, if I've got something like uh, Tremersor's popium, the popes viper. They're very much like chondros. They kind of just sit there. Sometimes they will festoon across the vines and a fairly easy animal to extract with a hook off of its branches. They're not too grabby, if that makes sense, right? They're not Velcro. They're not Velcro, yeah. but Abelabras, white lips, and Hagenai, the Hagen tree viper. Dude, that's a nightmare. <laughs> and what, I, what we've done is when we had fake plants, vines, and sticks and stuff to make them feel more comfortable, especially with wild caught imports, I'll get the grabbers, you know, the, the snake grabbers, and I'll just pull decor out and I'll just, mm -hmm. I'll just wreck that whole cage just to take the snake out. And the snake's the last thing I take out because if it has anything in there, they're just going to Velcro onto it. Yeah. So you've got two real extremes. And like I said, it comes down to the species and also comes down to the handler. If the handler is not comfortable fishing this animal out with whatever tools they've been provided, that they have at their exposure uh, at their disposal, then that's not good for them. You also got stuff like West African Gaboon Viper. They're gigantic and they don't give a crap if you have naturalistic Vivaria in there, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, I probably would do a really cool backdrop, right? Mm -hmm. But other than that, leaf litter and a water bowl, done. Because the thing yeah. is going to destroy anything I put in there, any kind of plants, even if it's potted, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. For for I, Henry Henry had mentioned uh, palm trees earlier because they die really well in vivariums. Um, yeah. uh, I had gotten these little they're dwarf date palms. They only get like three feet tall, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna try and bonsai it to the best of my ability." And I actually put it in with my uh, my Nubian cobra, and dude, he would intertwine himself through the little palm shoots. Oh, every every single day that was like his routine i don't know if he just had an itch he couldn't scratch or what but from doing that they just all snapped and fell off so like yeah. even even a snake that you wouldn't think would mm -hmm. wreck an enclosure like a carbapython you know or like a scrub python that's just going to bulldoze over stuff no this yeah. scrawny little scobra wrecked wrecked those palm trees so it, it really is it's species specific and then it comes down to the keeper and 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 their experience in extracting said animal from the enclosure i also know myself and if the enclosure is really really pretty i'm going to hold off as much as possible from messing it up 
And that means that I'm going to subconsciously neglect the animal, which I don't want to do. Or that means I'm going to have to do double the work to do a normal extraction, which could normally take me five seconds where I just scoop the snake out and put it in a container. But now mm -hmm. I have to use hemostats and remove this plant first, then that mm -hmm. plant, then this log, then that log, you know, and I kept atheris, um, uh, African bush vipers, you know, both uh, Chlorecus and Squamangera. I kept them naturalistic for, pff, man, God, it makes me feel old to say a decade, but, and I'd keep three of them, you know, I have like a breeder trio in a TV vision cage, just packed full of fake orchids and moss and vines. And it looked great until I had to take them all out once a week, you know? So it really comes down to the species and the keeper and what the keeper is willing to do or knowledgeable enough to do in that regard, mm -hmm. in, in my opinion. But, but yeah. that being said, not to rant more, dude, all my Viv stuff in my mind, the only ones that are not venomous is like Subox. Everything else is 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 venom-minded, right? And what I want to yeah. do with, you know, Sarastis, Sarastis and Rinkals and... You know my my older cobras that are you know more pet stuff. It just seems like you'd have to pick and choose your battles on that. Oh frame. sure, it's, you know doing something like that for Serastes is going to be light years easier than doing that for something you know like an Insularis or or something else. Mm -hmm. Well, and see that's where you might I might argue that because an Insularis isn't really going to do anything to the enclosure other than slither through it, while Serastes are excavators, man. And I actually I it never occurred to me to even to ever do this because all right so we we see saharan sand vipers whether it be sarastis sarastis or gasparetti or vipera we see these this species where it it nestles itself into the sand right it covers its body and it's dare i say less than surface deep right so in our enclosures we put i don't know an inch or two of sand because that's all it shimmies in but then i got Tyler Brooks sending me a picture, sending me a video from a, a zoo that's near him where they had like 10 or 12 inches of sand. And that Serastes is like a shovel nose, just scooping out sand down to the bottom, 12 inches down. Wow. So it makes me wonder. And stuff, I'm sure. Well, and who knows if it was oh, trying it, to, yeah, who knows if it was trying to lay eggs? Who knows if it was just bored and just sick of living in this vivarium and wanted to get out? Who knows? But there are certain traits that we're not going to observe because we don't think to do it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So one thing I'm going to do in the future is when I start making better enclosures, I'm going to add way more sand, especially the Serastes, in a, in hopes that I can get some kind of observation of excavation. You know, and <clears throat> that being said, I almost want to do selected areas for them to excavate. So mm -hmm. have some spray foam and dry lock rock type settings that go all the way down to the bottom, but then have almost like islands of loose sand for them to excavate. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then it comes down to how big is your enclosure? How deep is your substrate dam? You know, mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. video that, that Tyler sent me is a, a zoo enclosure. So it, the whole front glass was, yeah. I don't know, five feet tall, right? Yeah. That's not going to happen in my Cambro tubs. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm going to give them six to eight inches of sand and see how that works. But at the same time, now I have to be mindful that I don't have the opposite length in, in, in safe distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right now, the snake is say 12 inches, say eight inches away from the top of the top of the tub. Now they're going to be three inches. Yeah. 
So it, you have to alter your thought process in how you're going to negotiate or tactical the obstacles of safe handling, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I just, I know there's some like that tannin bar I had, dude, like there's no way in hell I'd give that thing a naturalistic type of setup with branches and stuff all over the place. Yeah. Because that thing yeah. Yeah. Was like glue. If that tail touched it, yeah. it was grabbing onto it and it wasn't coming off of it. Yeah. It was just an absolute nightmare. Even in a in a simple setup, like getting that thing out of the Cambro tubs and stuff was like a serious chore. It was like getting him back in was just as much of a pain. You know, it's just absolutely not. You know, it just yeah. Yeah, when I had him, I had one big piece of grapevine in there, and I would coax him onto it, and then just take the whole the whole yeah. wood it would stick yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'd really like to do something with like Storaria though. It'd be really yeah. cool to do a small setup with with those or like uh, ring necks. Yeah, really neat. I kept yeah. those decays for a little bit, but I could never get them to eat anything, so I let them go. Really? Yeah, they like I was. Well, so the I got a mom or I caught a mom, and so I was holding her for a while. I didn't realize she was gravid, and then she gave birth, and then I was like, okay, I guess I'll let the mom go and try to start the babies and then the babies that like finding something that was small enough for the, for them to eat um was hard like blood worms or something tiny yeah something tiny well i was talking to connor wordle about it and he was like uh snails apparently is what they like to eat okay um like tiny snails but of course when you go looking for snails you can't find snails (laughs) (laughs) so i was never able to find any so you do that first. Well, on that note too, like those night snakes, man, that hypsoglena, like I'm mm-hmm. just, I would love to get my hands on some of those eventually. And that's another one that, that, you know, same thing, rock cut type animals, uh, mm-hmm. doing a setup like what Connor's, Connor's done for, for some of his is just, that'd be really yeah. cool. Yeah. Those are cool snakes. Very cool. I loved seeing those when we were in Texas, man, that was probably the most common thing we found. And I, I played with every single freaking one of them, dude. I just, <laughs> I, I couldn't get enough of them. I loved them. That was you with the ring necks when we went herping, though, too. Yeah. 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 I love them. That's I awesome. knew appreciate, you know, herping, having more of appreciation when you see these things and so, mm-hmm. so much more to it than just the pictures, you know. For sure. For sure. Oh, yeah. Phil, you were saying something that was interesting to me about the, uh, the digging behavior and I, we talked earlier about the significant behaviors, but that's going to be like a major theme of our podcast and like talking to people about specific species and like excellent, really trying to understand, you know, what this animal is going to be doing in the wild. If you're going to just watch the singular animal for the entire day. Like what would it be doing and how can you accommodate that um, in captivity? And there's so many other behaviors that like, we just think about like eating, basking, sleeping like and sometimes we don't even think about sleeping i feel like people don't think about like where their animal sleeps half the time yeah Um, Mm -hmm. but like you know those those more in depth like you talk about a monitor lizard like hunting you know that's probably majority of their day out in the wild and like how do you Mm -hmm. accommodate that and give them a full day of of activities that they can separate from the day before and you know note that this is like a different day you know and they can have unique experiences in that day and and think about life that way because otherwise it's just like a prison cell basically you know yeah so. yeah one, one of my favorite uh observations of my own animals that i've ever kept was uh i had a rock rattlesnake in a 
basic setup, right? Sand, some rocks, a water bowl, a little rock cave from the, you know, bask on top if you wanted to. And when we were in West Texas, um, Rob Stone tells me, he's like, yeah, man, the, the Lepidus Lepidus and the Lepidus Clobberi, they don't, they don't ambush up. They don't ambush straight or down like a conventional rattlesnake. Mm -hmm. They ambush up. And was like, what? What are you talking? He was, yeah. They find a a vertical slope, they slither up on it, they coil up in like an S formation on the rock with their face pointing up towards the sky, in the hopes that a lizard is going to run past them or run down the rock. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And he says, yeah, you always find them like that. So that's that's what we're looking for. Well, yeah. I came home and my big male rock rattlesnake, who was uh, at the time he was like 15 years old, I had an old. I don't even know if it was Zoomed or whatever, but it was a, a, a fiberglass painted stone cave that had a really good slope on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I just stuck it in there and I covered it in sand. I threw his poopy sand on top of it. And within like two hours, he was in the position wow. facing up the rock. Wow. So, and like, and I had that snake for at least 15 years. I got it as a juvenile. Yeah. So like, it had never seen a rock slope like that, but it just knew this is what I'm supposed to do. And yeah. from that point forward, I only fed it when it was like that on top mm-hmm. of the rock just to keep that going. Yeah. yeah. So like little observations like that, man. And, and who'd have thought? And all I did was have, like change the position of the rock. Yeah. That's wild, yeah. that. And that's going to be so satisfying to like see it, think about it in the wild, like see it in the wild and then come back, implement it and it works. Yeah. That's for sure, man. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. That that's what I want more people to experience is like hat like figuring something out, like researching and figuring out what they're doing and then implementing it in their own collections and seeing it happen. You know, I think yeah, mm -hmm. that's like the most rewarding thing you can do. Yeah. Uh in my mind, I had these grandiose Applegate style enclosures in mind for my adult ring calls and just looking at how i'm going to do it and i bought these plants and i i was going to do it and i started to procrastinate like we do right Mm -hmm. and i start to overthink everything okay well if i do it like this this is going to happen if i do it like that that's going to happen and i realized that this is one of the one instances where the procrastination was actually helpful because i realized that had i done that a it would have been way harder to extract the animal especially mm-hmm. with something that does not want to be removed and is literally spitting back at you. And then at the same time, I don't think I would get the desired results that I was going for in terms mm-hmm. of uh, observation and, and more naturalistic keeping. So what I went up realizing is there's, there's more study now than ever before on cryptic basking. And we talk mm-hmm. a lot about this and we, we even from, you know, hikers walk in their dog and they happen to see a loop of rattlesnake rattle coming out of a bush (laughs) excuse me or you know pine snakes where you can't see the snake except for individual segments of its body that happens to be showing through and those individual segments are what's getting the Mm -hmm. warmth through that bush Mm -hmm. and i realized that there's a lot of non-intentional observations of wrinkles in grass so I'm warming temperatures up. Once once temps are going to hit summertime temps, I'm just going to go get a bunch of hay, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to litter hay all all along the inside. And I got to be mindful as to my basking temp because obviously I don't want a fire. Um, 
I know 451 is a lot, a lot of temperature for a passing light, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Accidents happen. Um, but I'm really interested to see if with their zebra style pattern, grassland species, mm-hmm. are they going to bask on top of it? Are they going to bask underneath it? Are they going to compact it down? And this is something, this is like, this is in my brain, but it's something as stupid as just throwing hay in there. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's, that's, that's one thing that I'm excited to hear more from you guys on this podcast is thinking outside the box on nuances in observation. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's the goal. That's like the, uh, that's like the, the cat geckos I have. I, I guess it was a couple months in when I had them. I just, I had a bag of leaf litter and I just like littered it throughout their cages. And now I notice every single night they all curl up in a leaf and go to sleep. Every single one of them. Like on top of the leaf? No, like if I have like a, like a leaf that's folded over, they'll literally yeah. crawl inside of the leaf, curl wow. up like a cat, obviously. Yeah. That's the name. And like sleep, they have their designated leaves that they sleep in. Wow. So if I have a pair in a cage, like the one female I had that just just laid the eggs uh, like a week ago, the male would sleep in the back corner in a leaf, and she would be right up front every single night. They'd be in the same leaf. Wow! And just, if I would have never threw those leaves in there, I would have never seen that. And and I never would have thought until you just said it. Like they are a leaf. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, they're 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 a they're a leaf tailed gecko, but thick and plump. You know, yeah, basically. So so I would have never thought that you know i would think leaf litter just a substrate but no you have an animal that is probably designed to live in leaves yeah that's awesome and when you think about them you think highly arboreal gecko yeah so you don't even think they're on the ground ever yeah but from what i've seen they're on the ground very often you know they're they ambush food from the ground for the most part at night, at like one, two in the morning, they'll be up climbing on their branches and stuff. But they do a lot of their a lot of their stuff on the ground. Very cool, man. Very yeah, cool. it's awesome. I'm interested to try something as far as keeping like trying to replicate India or something for this conicus sand boa. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder if it'd be a complete waste of time. <laughs> Well, you never know. No, no, you don't try though. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta give well, it the option. It'd, it'd be interesting to see if, if you saw behaviors that you you wouldn't normally see, or if it would just be like, yeah, this is this is exactly how I'd I'd be yeah. if I was on Aspen. You know, you know it would just be something cool. And then people come in yeah. and say, oh, what's in that? And it's like a sandbo. And it's like, can I see it? And it's like, no, it never comes out. I, or I see better yet, yeah, but you could yeah. say you're looking right at it. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I think you should really do it up for the Samboa. A, because it's a cool niche species that yeah. not a lot of people have. Not only Dude, people I know it exists. Thing. Yeah. Those things are so much cooler than the Kenyans. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I've had Kenyans. I've had a handful of them over the years. But yeah. these conicus, like this dude's this dude's neat. I can't help but pull that snake out and just look at it. Like they're so yeah. pretty, pretty just as is. Well, and I feel like that's a key that's a that's a key example of a species where you could have a lot of fun varying substrate and mm-hmm. even if you mm-hmm. want to do like the 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 loose sand islands with harder compacted soil around it to kind of see does it prefer a more loomy fluffy sand or so it can burrow itself easier or does it want something more granulated more coarse like a lot of a, a lot of 
lot can be learned from just varying substrate with that species. Yeah. You know, and then I think also too is every picture we see, it's just eyes coming out of sand. Like the snake doesn't just live in sand. Like it hasn't, it has another aspect to its life. Now you can have an opportunity to observe those other aspects, which never get shown. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do. To, to do UV with those to see like what cryptic, you know, cryptic basking you see out of that. Yeah. You know, I was, I don't know. I've been thinking about it and I think that would be a, a cool, a cool experiment. Yeah. And dude, like what's the UV index in lower valleys in Kashmir? Mm-hmm. Like, is it 9.0 or is it only two? Right. Yeah. You know, I Fair. bet it would come out at night. I bet it would come. I out haven't seen him out at night yet. I've, I've checked and he, Nothing. Seems to pretty much stay. Uh... Throw a leopard gecko and see what happens at <laughs> at, at night. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon, that's, a, that's another thing too, man. I I really want to try a naturalistic leopard gecko setup. Oh yeah, dude. just just to see. Use the the excavator clay and like build a cool cave system and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be awesome. They'll yeah. dig caves, man. I I had one that dug its own cave out underneath the background and it was that was where it lived i had hides in there and everything for it but it decided it wanted to build its own which was very cool yeah so cool you could do a lot with those that that whole sort of family like cave geckos it would be cool to to set something up and yeah there the indian indian uh, leopards yeah yeah like all those common stuff like there's there's so much that you can do that no one's doing. Mm-hmm. You know? Like even ball pythons, there's a lot you could do with a naturalistic setup, and they would use it for sure. So yeah, like a tree. Yeah, <laughs> they would. <laughs> I also I also think a cool topic is varying diet in unconventional prey items. You know, and yeah. I I ma- I made a mistake. I always told myself. I, when I used to keep uh, Amy I, the centrillion knobtails, I always told myself, I was like, oh, I'm going to get binos geckos and they're parthenogenic. I'm just going to breed them and raise yeah. up and get a little colony going to use the babies as feeders for adult Amy I. And mm-hmm. I, I, I lost my geckos and, and I never I never got binos and now they're expensive and it's like oh my god you're, you can't spend that much money to feed off the babies. You're crazy. But the idea of having a a unconventional varied diet for even for just enrichment purposes mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's it's hunting something it doesn't normally hunt yeah. i thought that i think that's very interesting too and keeping like those animals t- together with with the animal that's gonna eventually maybe eat it you know it's like yeah. so at, like with dart frogs you know they eat the springtails and stuff they're in the enclosure with them but nothing else we have we keep like i I mean, turtles, you've got like guppies and stuff like that, and they'll eat those as they mm-hmm. go. Um, but with like snakes and stuff, no one's really doing that. Um, which I guess there's like a whole ethical side to it, but you know, um, there's room to, to experiment there. I'd love to do morning geckos in with my, my carpet pythons because yeah. uh, they're small enough that I feel like generally they wouldn't eat them. But if they did eat a, a couple, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't make a difference. But, um, Animals at Home just did a, a cool podcast where they talked about biofeedback with like, uh, you know, cohabbing animals um, because it was a guy from the fish community and 
you know, in fish tanks, you've got tons of different species and these fish are interacting with, you know, all, mm -hmm. a ton of different other animals throughout the day. Whereas our reptiles for the most part, especially snakes, you know, it's, it's a single snake in the enclosure with nothing else in there and they're not interacting with anything else. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to cohab and see what kind of effect that has. Yeah. So. Yeah. Our, uh, our, our friends, Cody and Pia, they have very, very large arboreal venomous enclosures for their mamba collection. Mm -hmm. And the enclosures are, are fascinating. They have like a, a removable tray on the bottom, slider doors in the front. I mean, they're six feet by 10 feet or whatever they are. They're huge. They're on casters so they can wheel them around. It's brilliant. And then on the top corner of each enclosure are shift boxes so that they can use them as a nest box or a lay box with an arboreal mamba but let's say the mamba's in the box you don't even you can just close the door and now it's trapped and then you can lock it and then remove that box on its own so mm -hmm. what they've done is they're actually cohabbing uh west african gaboon vipers with west african green mambas and, and it, it, they don't care because one doesn't predate on the other you know yeah. what I mean? One's at the bottom, one's at the top. Uh, one time they found a gaboon up at the top, and they're like, how the hell did you get up there? But it shimmied its way up there. Um, but now you're talking about two snakes that are basically indifferent. You know what yeah. I mean? They're, they're, they're not going to predate on each other. They are, yeah. they are completely indifferent to each other. One feeds at the bottom, one feeds at the top, so you're not worried about them competing over prey items. Yeah opposed to something like geckos where mm -hmm. they go eat each other. Yeah. You know, it's like, the, it's like the one guy, what the hell was his name? I probably shouldn't say his name. Maybe even if I did remember it, cause he'd get upset that I said that he made a, a naturalistic Southwestern enclosure and he mm -hmm. had uh Chuck walls in there. He had collared lizards and he had uh geckos. Uh, wow. I, my mind is escaping me on colionics. Colionics. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. And, uh, Coleonics disappeared. <laughs> you know, they they just they're just gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they started to see that the collared lizards started having little nicks on them because the collared lizards would bully the chuckwallas. The chuckwallas ain't gonna take no shit. So they mm -hmm. punch back. You know, it's like, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't have cohabbing southwestern desert lizards. <laughs> Especially that things that like probably fulfill similar niches you know oh, or they, yeah. you know they operate in similar zones yeah the the mambas and the gaboons uh they have those together at the riverbank zoo I don't know oh, that's you, cool. yeah, yeah yeah that's that display's been there forever yeah so i was going and see that i to me that was always like because i grew up going there that was like the normal thing you did but i uh realized shortly after that it that's not normal yeah. <laughs> so but i always thought that that was that was the thing. They're from the same area, so it makes sense. Yeah, in theory, right? In theory, yeah. <laughs> in theory, yeah. Yeah. I co-abbed co my two uh, ball pythons together for a while. Um, I had a male and female, and they bred, and I had the the I removed the male and then let the female like maternally incubate in the enclosure and everything, which was pretty That's awesome. a cool experiment, yeah, to do. Um, but I didn't think they would breed just being together all the time, but I guess, I don't know. I, all my timers are on with the sunrise and sunset. So they get some sort of light cycling going on and I'm sure some, some level of temperature cycling. So, um, they bred, but that was a cool experiment. Very cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, the only things I've cohabbed are uh, Atheris genus, so uh, African bush vipers, uh, Clarecus and Squamagera, not interspecies, mm -hmm. just same species. Mm -hmm. And other than making sure that they don't eat the other one's prey yeah. as they're eating it and vice versa, they were perfectly fine. Right now I've got uh, reverse sexed Transpagos copperheads together because I'm lazy and don't want to give them their own enclosures. Um, and the, my biggest problem is feeding because I'm pretty sure one snake in each enclosure is eating all the food. Because <laughs> I have one snake that's super healthy and then the other snake is like not so healthy. So focusing on that is, I think, a very challenging aspect with the cohab when you're not yeah. watching it's not like two geckos in enclosure where you watch them both eat crickets mm -hmm. you know so yeah yeah i have the same yeah, issue like, they just they like, have, like, yeah. lizards and stuff are a lot easier to cohab than snake yeah lizards and geckos for sure because yeah. you can tongue feed you know each one a roach here a roach here you know snakes they see food they go fucking nutty yeah yeah here i am i got one i got one copperhead sizing up its 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 prey i got the other copperhead has prey in front of it but it's watching the movement of the first snake going after yeah. the prey so i'm constantly touching the second snake with a snake hook to re yeah. re revert its attention to where the mouse is yeah. but is it really looking at the mouse or is it just looking at my snake hook tip yeah <laughs> yeah so i gotta figure out what i'm gonna do with them right. yeah yeah, I feed my Nerodia out of a bowl. So and I've got three in an enclosure together. Um, and so I pretty much have to sit there and watch, but then they don't like eating in front of me. So it's a whole you gotta stand stand like ten feet back, you know, and try to watch from a distance without moving. And then you get cramps and it's a whole thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I gotta I gotta do that with the rhinos because I have an adult pair of rhinos together and feeding them is always stressful because one of them always eats faster than the other one and then they immediately start looking over at the other one to see what they're doing mm -hmm. and it's just like okay yeah gotta babysit those will eat other snakes too so like for sure so yeah so gotta watch out for that yeah and scott's in the chat he says put cardboard put cardboard between them yeah, that's great and smart, but then I still got to stand there, <laughs> you know. So, got shit to do. So interestingly, I'm looking at some some conicus observations on INAT, and there's a lot of well, not a lot, but a handful of pictures of them, sort of ambush positioning themselves outside of existing holes and like rock piles come on share it let's see not it. necessarily doing the typical kenyan sandboa kind of thing right but now that. is that because they staged that photo no this looks like as is like it's it's, it's like not institute. professional photography it's, it's okay someone whipped out their blackberry and snapped a picture of it and nice <laughs> nice I like your uh, your reference of BlackBerry showing the uh, uh, proposed technology of the area. <laughs> You're pretty low resolution, so I can only assume it's just old, old phone. Here's a good one. 
This one actually took me a minute to figure out what was going on. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's in a hole in the ground. I was going to say, well, what the hell are we looking at? It's just rocks. Yeah. <laughs> just hanging out, waiting. I still huh. don't see. What am I looking at? You're look, It's is right here. Top? Is that the top it's, of the snake there? Yeah, it's looking at, like, from the, it's looking overhead. Yeah, okay, I see. What? It. This, is, this is the head and some of the neck right here. Yeah. Are you, am I nuts? What are, so it, it's facing to... like its head's facing towards the right, like top down view. Oh, oh, we're above it. We're not from the yeah. side. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Dude, I would have never seen that animal. <laughs> I would have walked right past it. You can't even see the derpy eyes. Let's see. There's some other ones. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at that yellow one. Jesus. Yeah, that one was insane. Yeah, go back to that yellow one. I didn't know they got like that. Yeah, it looks like there's a lot of variation from like the the east and west side of the ranges. Yeah, India, like, man. Same thing. You know? Oh yeah, there you go. There you go. You could definitely do some rock ledges, and it would post up in there. Yeah, oh, yeah for sure. It's got the the gears turning. It's crazy how each one of them though looks exactly like the ground it's in. Oh yeah, that's just perfect. Well, not that one, but. <laughs> That's stunning, though. Yeah. Insane. Wow. wow. I think a lot of that's the flash, though. No, but still, I mean, the... I don't know if it's flash, dude. It looks like someone's just, like, their headlamp. Let me see. There was another one that looked like a Angolan. Wow. Load, damn it. Here's one eating a bird. That's interesting. I don't know. I'll have to do some some more recon on this too and look up Kenyan Sandbows and see if there's a similar thing going on with the uh the behaviors there. Yeah. Go go back to the, the list real quick. Go up a little. Right there, that one in the crack. Yeah, let's see that one. Is that maybe, banding or is that maybe shadow? They're, maybe they're part lepidus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, they're literally doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, that is yeah, shadow. He squeezed in there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool, man. I would have cool. never thought of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you gotta do rocks in there, man. You gotta. Well, the nice thing too is it's it's such a small species, like they wouldn't need yeah. anything massive either. Yeah, what do you got him in now? Uh, he's just in a like a fifteen quart type, yeah, size deal. But such a cool species, dude! It's it's the love child of a Dumeril boa and a Cannon yeah. Sand. Yeah, yeah, and um, and some some Russells. Yeah, some Russells in there. A little dash of Deboya. Does it huff and puff like a Deboya? No, they just do the the stupid jack in the box, do a backflip bullshit. Oh, okay. Freak out for no reason, you know. Do you yeah. know the locality of yours or no? No, no. I don't think anybody actually does. Here's another one, one just with its head sticking okay, out. It's dead. It looks cute there, like a dog. <laughs> yeah, man. 
It's a very similar thing to the blood pythons where you see the eyes just going nuts and you just know something's coming. <laughs> like it's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Just waiting for it. Super cool. Just dumb looking creatures. I'm trying to find that, uh, that one I was talking about. It's from like the western side of the range. Um, it's crazy to me that there's this many observations of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean they're, they're really common. Um, there's a lot of people in India. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's an observation up in like Afghanistan too, which I thought was interesting. Definitely eating leopard geckos there. Oh yeah, that, dude. Like that's that's it's like a, a brettles and a and a. Angolan and Indian yeah. had just one massive love child. Yeah, that's just for the listeners who are driving on their commute to work. That that picture we're looking at right now is literally Brettles color, Angolan pattern, and like Sambo body. Yes, yeah, not even Sambo. It's it's almost viperish, you know, uh, like a, a viper boa, Kendoya. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Very Kendoya like. Very Kendoya. Yeah. So oh, they, they go all the way down and. Oh yeah, yeah, they're down in Sri Lanka and everything too. They're oh wow, they're not an uncommon species. Some of them almost have like a Stimson's look too. Is yours darker? Or is it like the lighter ones or? Um, it's more like the gray concrete with sort of the the creamish yellows. Um. With the you know the darker saddles, I'm sure I can find one similar, but mm -hmm. I wonder if they would make use of like a like a reed stack or something that they do for like the small monitors. Mm -hmm. Sit in those crevices. Yeah. Dude, I think if you just had uh pieces of yeah, see, mine uh, looks kind of more like this, just not as not as brown. Gotcha. Yeah, the very Kendoya. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I think if you had pieces of insulation foam that you cut into like flat shale rocks, yeah, and just stacked yeah. it, that thing would just be living in a rock pile, a foam rock pile. Wonder if they they've got that like spiky tail, right? Like or or bumpy. Yeah, it's like a really heavily keeled. The Kenyans yeah. have that too, but. Wonder if they use that as like a shield, almost. You know, to like. I've block heard something similar, um. But I don't. I don't know. That thing's fat, man. Yeah, yeah dude. Probably a female. That one's eating good. Fat. That crazy Angolan pattern. Damn, that's eating large rats on the regular. Or do you think that thing's just pissed off and it's inflated? Yeah, yeah. a little bit of both. I think females max yeah. out at like three feet. Like they're they're really wow. not big. Yeah, see, that's a western western range type too. It'd just be cool, man. It's just neat. Yeah, yeah. stuff you don't always see. And I think they're always going to be sort of fringe for the Sanboa stuff just because the Kenyans, now that they come in all the neon colors and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But 
seeing these things in person, man, like mine's it's just it's a gorgeous animal. Yeah, dude, seeing them on here, man, makes me completely rethink my opinion of them. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm excited. Go herping, man. Go herping. You see them in the wild, you like them a lot more. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, India is already at the top of my list of places I want to go herp. You know, yeah. especially Western Ghats, like Western side of of India. This isn't helping that itch. <laughs> it's, just, I, it's so bizarre how much they look like doomerals with the with the the head yeah cover that quickly cuts off and. And it's also interesting to me is I didn't realize their range was so vast and like yeah. all the snakes that you've shown us, they're very glossy looking and mm -hmm. it's supposed to be like the rough scaled sand boa. Yeah. And that's, I, that's what I was about to say. I, yeah. I lost my train of thought, like they call them rough scaled sand boas, but in comparison to like the texture of a Kenyan, they're not that different. Like they're really not that rough. Um, the tail, of course, is again like super heavily keeled, but so you know it's the same way on the Kenyans. I mean, you can see it there. Yeah. Uh, they're just—I don't know. They're just. Dude, if that head was covered up, I would swear that's an Angolan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days, Raj is going to India again for like a month at some point here soon, and be like, dude. Take me with you. Hide me on the plane or something. <laughs> hey, man, like, it'd be cool to have a guy, you know, with friends and family there, you know? Mm -hmm. He's in, like, the north. His, originally, he's from, like, the northeastern part. It's Gujarati. Oh. But, wow, look at that. That's a crazy that's picture. Yeah, that's true. Great photo. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, look at all the rusty reds and yeah, browns. a lot of red dirt. I noticed that too. Like if I was gonna do yeah. it, I'd try and get something similar to that going on. I don't know. Red crumbly dirt. The gears, the gears are turning, boys. You said that one's Sri Lanka? Yeah. Yeah. Just curious to see if those are you know, phenotypically significantly different from from everything else. As I imagine they would be. I don't even know where this one is. What is this? It's a rock. Little tiny face just sitting right there. Oh wow. Oh wow. Dude. How do you even see that? That's yeah. Crazy. That's one of those things you just happen to be looking in those rocks and you just yeah. yeah. Otherwise you're not you're not seeing that. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Smitty, you gotta get some rocks, man. You, yeah, you have you, to. You got it, bro. You're you're doing this naked disservice. <laughs> like I could reasonably put that male because he's small and he's he's a twenty eighteen, and he's tiny, and he could go in like a, a small XO comfortably. Dude, that's pretty cool, man. That's a pretty cool species. They're friggin' cool, dude. And I remember like, Gary Schiavino bred them, and I don't. I just for some reason I assumed that they were like a super rare, like hard to come by species. I never really looked into them much, and then I come to find like they're really not that uncommon. There's not a ton of people breeding them, um, but they're not anything super difficult or or anything like that. What is it like? All the all the Kenyan guys have like a a pair or two on the side? yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. that's kind of the vibe I get from, yeah. from looking around a little bit. But what's there's like Kenyans these, and then there's like a Russian one, right? Yeah, so there's Saharans. Uh, there's a Russian. India has another. In the hobby, I think there's another like two species. Um, then the, it's not a massive group, but it's not tiny either. The which one is the one that has the eyes on top? I always mess this up. Which one of those? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I want to say it's Iranian, right? Maybe. And that's that's why they're so hard to find and expensive, and no one's got them. Probably. Someone's going to chime in the group chat. And uh, Scott says that they all just got split in the Middle East. So, which is becoming more of a, a realization with a lot of those Near Eastern and Middle Eastern species, you know, mm-hmm. pseudo serastes and such. Arabian sandbows. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the one we're talking about. Yeah. So the, so the Arabian is the one with the eyes on top. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thank you, Gillen. Jar 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 Binks looking one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a cool group. And there's not a ton of information out there either. I mean, Warren uh, teacher wrote a book on them. Wow, look at that. That's that's Arabian? That's a red. But is that in Saudi? Or is that like Oman? Uh no, that's one of the Indian species of it. Oh, it's one of the Indian ones. Oh yeah, look at the eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Are those in the hobby? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're they're expensive, but yeah, that's so around. Cool. And most of the ones that I've seen, like you see the pattern on the tail, like some of the banding on the tail there. Yeah, that banding on a lot of the ones I see, uh, like for sale, it goes up the entire body. Like this Whoa, is the first one. I've that's seen. cool. It's very wow. uniform in color, but they're almost like the the Jani of of Sanbo is like they're very similar in terms of the pattern and the color and stuff. Those bands are like a like a Bismarck ring python almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, dude. I don't know which one I like more: the Angolan looking ones or the the banded. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, better picture of that. Yeah, here's so here's kind of what the more typical look. And that's Eric's John Eye. That's a dead one. That's not what I picked. <laughs> yeah, you clicked the wrong one. Good old INAT, man. And Mike Gillen says there's a species in Greece as well. Yes. Really? Oh, come on. Load. Do as I say. This is the one I clicked, not the other one. Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah, like the faded bands. Yeah, I think this is a little more typical of, of what they look like. You know, and I think as when they're younger, those bands are much more prominent. And as they get older, they kind of wash out and fade out like that. But yeah, it has the uh, the faded banding of like an Indonesian uh, smooth death adder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, those those banded lavis from uh, southeastern Indo. It's interesting too. Like you can tell their head structure and, and facial structure is a little different from the others in this genus. Their, their eyes are much more 
positioned on the side of the head instead of closer to the top, like you see yeah. with some of the others. And I feel like yours, your type is got probably the most boa head, right? You keep we keep saying how it's very doomerlish. Mm -hmm. I feel like that that has the most boa like head. Yeah, and they've got a really stumpy tail that's like a mimic, they're almost like a shield uh, shingleback skink in the way that like their tail looks so much like their head. Yeah, like a calabar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that tail's gross, man. It does. It's very <laughs> like Lieutenant Dan stumpish. <laughs> Looks like a bad toenail. <laughs> I don't know which species is the ones on Greece, but so Lisa Farina says that Warren Treacher lives in town where uh, she works. She says she sees him every now and then. And he always has a sandbo in his shirt pocket. <laughs> Yeah, he's like the Samboa guy, man. Like he he has a book out uh, that's mostly on Kenyans and, and a lot of the morphs and stuff. But there is some some sections on the other species <clears throat> out there. It's another one eating a bird. It's interesting that you see in multiple observations of them with birds in their mouths. Yeah, I was gonna say if uh, if you do produce them, Smitty, you did just get a bunch of quail for. I them. did not some that male hasn't eaten for me yet, but uh, from what Kai told me, um, he's like he goes off off food in the winters anyways. So um, maybe we'll give those the tail. Yeah, dude, it's it's wild. I mean, that is a really really pretty species. I want to say Irwin on one of his episodes, he came across one of these. Because they, I remember as a kid, they almost look spray painted. Like they have this really yeah. just bizarre airbrush. Thing. Yeah, they're out there. And I mean, they weren't like ungodly expensive. Like they weren't. We're not talking like you know, basin emeralds or anything like that. But those have a pretty wide range too. It's like top to bottom, India. Yeah, it looks like they overlap with the other ones. Uh-huh. Yeah. No sightings on Sri Lanka, which is interesting. And they're more, it looks like they're more like centralized where the other ones looked like they were more towards the coast. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems to be the case, at least in the southern part of the range. Yeah. Southern and northern a little bit. I don't know. I didn't mean for this to be a rabbit hole. We went down. Just <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a lot of cool pictures of rough scales on INAT. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, Dalton in the group chat says that javelins are the European one. And that's uh, right Jaculus. 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 They look like ladder rat snakes. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Yes, they're from the same spot. Like even the eye is like modeled, speckled. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, there's no sand there. It's not digging. No, yeah, it's right. All, yeah, it's all freaking rock. <laughs> yeah, dude, you gotta change your viv. For sure. For sure. 
Dude, I think every single one we've looked at has been on or near a rock. No. <laughs> a, a big flat rock. What is that? Where? Is that like is a that barrier Greece? island? That's Greece, yeah. Yeah. Why is it covered in olive oil? <laughs> it's like between Greece and Turkey, yeah. Yeah, good lord, look at all that. I'm in Tunisia, Morocco. Whoa. I bet that gets split eventually. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, all the stuff in Iran and whatnot, dude, I bet you there's a ton going on there, but because nobody's ever getting out there to look around, yeah. it's going to be a long time before they do anything there. Georgia, looks like there's a lot. It's like the, the Greek tortoises are all from that area too, but now there's like <laughs> 20 different species or whatever of those because they're just for each country. It's like a different species. But yeah, people have actually done Serbia. research Whoa. I must break you. Wow. That's the gopher snake of... I, I was going to say <laughs> yellow anaconda. Yeah. 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 Unectes of, uh, <laughs> yeah. of Serbia. Wild. Crazy. <laughs> Talk about a group of animals I know zero about. <laughs> They're so cool, though. Yeah. I feel like I had a phase where I wanted to get into Kenyan Sambos, and then I had one breeder who was like, no, you got to feed the babies live. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> don't want these anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't plan on going going crazy with the, yeah. the rough scales. I, I would like to get a female at some point, um, be it at Daytona or, or wherever, but it's just it's a cool species man i like that that fringe stuff that just doesn't get enough love mm -hmm. and, uh, dalton has a point too he said the indian sambo species seems to be the most common indian snake in the hobby which is would not surprise me because there's really not a lot as far as indian stuff yeah that's not venomous anything mm -hmm. else is venomous mm -hmm. yeah i feel i didn't I started researching India a ton recently because I got those um, Indian spotted turtles. Yeah. Um, but before that, I like knew nothing about it. But now I'm like getting all the fish and stuff from there. Ooh, and so, so many cool species, dude. It's such yeah. an overlooked continent, like not continent, but subcontinent. Subcontinent <laughs> of the yeah. herpeticulturally, or or not herpeticulturally, Jesus, um, herpetifaunally. If that's even a word, uh, <laughs> that in China, man, like those top yeah, of my list, yeah. there's, there's so much cool stuff. And even like just from the standpoint of of Boiga, India has so many species that that a lot of people probably don't even know exist that look so badass. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll probably never see them in the well, hobby. I'm sure Henry's going to yell at me for this because he he's a big Indian reptile guy. But I think there's over 200 endemic snake species. That wouldn't surprise me. I, I'm pretty sure it's it's over. It's like 204, 202 <laughs> endemic snake species. <laughs> Dalton said, "I want to be stupid and, and set up a conicus up with a rufalata." <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. That's the the red slate ornamental tarantulas. Which another reason why I mean I love I love 
India, like ornamentals, Bacillotheria, man. That's like one of the coolest groups of tarantulas out there. And, and I, I love it enough to, to put it on my body permanently, but <laughs> yeah. Hearing you said something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. There's so much different like habitat there too. It's all, mm-hmm. you got everything out there. Yeah. Every bit of it. I would love to go see gharials in a while. That would be no, mm-hmm. for sure. That'd be for dope. Sure. Yeah, that's like one of those species. If you're going out there, like you, I mean, you can't not go and and see those. If you're going to be in country, like it's it's almost a requirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I feel like uh, of all the iconic Indian species, like as much as I would love to see a spectacle cobra in the wild, I would much rather see. Uh, Russell's Viper. Just, I feel like it's so much more. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. There's just something about it, you know? Henry said 350. 350. There we go. Well, now hold on. Is that species of snake in general or is that endemic to India specifically? So. Yeah. Russell's Viper in somebody's house. That's what you, you yeah. go see all the, the villages and find it in someone's house. Yeah, well, no, he's saw scales, man. Saw oh, yeah. scales. Ekis, guy, and uh, Bungaris and stuff, too. Oh, yeah. It'd be fucking great. Yeah. And fucking Kukri's. Oh, man. Yeah, Kukri's. Dude, Oligodon out of India takes the cake. Honestly, Oligodon out of India and Nepal take the freaking cake, man. Dude, you want to see some crazy-looking snakes? Go on iNaturalist and just type in Oligodon in that region, that southern Another Himalayan region. Wild genus, man, with all yeah. that weird-looking stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Henry says 350 in general snake species in, in mm-hmm. India. So. <clears throat> Carnotus in India are a complex. Yeah. I would love to see ornamentals in the wild, too. Like, how cool would that mm-hmm. be? see yeah from like 10 feet away yeah <laughs> I mean, obviously you're not gonna go up and grab it but <laughs> dude like uh, it's so weird man uh, we talk about russell's viper russell's viper is levitating like that's a fucking thing but indian ornamentals teleport they do <laughs> ornamental period teleport yeah they teleport man dude, dude. imagine seeing subfusca be wild oh my god dude imagine would, seeing it in your shower while you're naked washing your hair get the fuck out of here no thank you or just leave with the soap in fuck it <laughs> oh man it makes me want to cry yeah or honestly i would love to see uh heterometra swamardami in the wild yeah that would be yeah. Just to have a scorpion the length of your forearm, like on your forearm, that that would be so cool, man. So cool. <laughs> Some mm-hmm. might say terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're gentle giants, you know. <laughs> unless you're allergic, right? Beasting. <laughs> yeah, unless you're allergic. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll say Smitty seeing those scorpions in Georgia was pretty cool. Like, yeah, I still got I still got a lot of those. Yeah. Those were pretty cool. That's a yeah, badass little species, man. Yeah. You talking about the the Vahovis or you talking about yeah. the Vahovis. Nice. 
I still got to see them, man. Still got to see them. They're cool as hell. Yeah, man. We don't have that many. No one ever gave him much attention. I know Montross kept him for a while. Um, I know I remember seeing some people on like Arachno boards years and years and years ago selling them here and there, but it was just never a species that nobody ever paid much attention to. But yeah. I mean, in their defense, there's a there's a ton of species and scorpions, so yeah, right. You got a lot of options, and I can see where those would not be terribly high up on the list for some people. But yeah, man, seeing those things flipping that that bark and just seeing a little group of them and stuff, it's just and black lighting for them too. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. really fun. Almost feels like cheating, <laughs> dude. It really is, man. Not it fair. really, it really is. <laughs> And like you find that one good tree stump that somebody cut down for whatever reason, and it's just rotten away for a decade. Mm-hmm. And you you get that one snake hook in, and you pull it, and there's like eight neon green glowing scorpions. Yeah, that's the coolest. Mm-hmm. The one the one that I had found um, on that trip, Smitty was like six feet up in the air, like it was up on a fall, yeah. like going across. Which was weird because it was like at your face level. <laughs> <laughs> Scorpion your face, but that was cool. Little, they're little tanks. John yeah. had them everywhere outside his house, around his house outside of Atlanta. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, we don't get them down here on the coast. I don't. I think some of the range maps said we did, but I've I've never seen any signs of them. I've never seen any live ones, dead ones, anything. So. Yeah, I need to see the. I gotta go like two, three hours north of me and find uh Hensi, yeah, the three stripe. I've never seen one, really. Yeah, so that's definitely on my list. But aren't uh, most of the populations of wild ornamentals supposed to be in the dozens these days? Yeah, I don't, I think a lot of them are, are in really rough shape population wise. That's why the they were trying to crack down on them in the pet trade and stuff because you know. So many things are being brought over from India these days. Yeah, right. Well, not to us, but other parts of the world, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it's a lot sure. easier when you can drive. Yeah. I'm sure, that's gonna be a hard thing to protect and get like laws around. It's like, oh, we gotta protect these spiders, and people mm-hmm. are probably not into that. You know, well, I don't even think like collection or over collection or anything like that was the issue. It's it's straight up habitat loss. Like, oh, gotcha. India and Sri Lanka are. are some of the most heavy, heavily populated areas mm. in the world, just in the sheer number of people that live there, that they're they're running out of freaking room. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. like the tigers. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I well, saw a dude on a uh, on Instagram the other day got chased down by one. Jesus, really? <laughs> Chased him down, and there was like a big group of people. Like they were all—it was like the running of the bulls, but it was a wild tiger, and everyone's just scattering like ants. <laughs> Jesus, and then one guy just happened to be the last one in line, man. Oh, Jesus, it got him, and it like it tackled him, and then I guess people started screaming and running towards it, and so it took off, and the guy just got up, and I'm sure he, wow. I'm sure he got all kinds of messed up still, but uh, stories for days, dude, yeah. yeah, wild. <laughs> Dude, you remember that one time when Jack got mauled by a tiger? <laughs> Dude, seeing those things in zoos and forgetting how big they are. Yeah. You yeah. saw one of those things coming at you full speed. And you're going to tell me you're not going to just like, I'll just, 
I'll just lay down and die. Like, yeah, yeah. Good lord. And they make that chuffing sound when you get close. <sighs> that chuffing is just so ominous, man. Like you feel it in your bones. Yeah. Ooh. And then I see Hector walking around the house, and I'm like, man, if you were like 20 <laughs> or 50 times bigger, like you'd be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at you dead in the eye and goes, I still yep. am terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Starts bopping you in your sleep. I was, I was bigger, I'd, I'd eat you. <laughs> has, has he knocked a mouse mug off the counter yet? <laughs> no, thank God. Neither has my child. Yeah. Like those things are. Like freaking gold at this point. <laughs> my, uh, my my parents just got back from Australia, and uh, they brought home a bunch of souvenirs, and they got these little, they're like little, uh, they're not beanie babies, but for lack of a better synonym, they're like little beanie baby platypus, but they're magnets for the fridge. And she got them for a couple family members, and they were in a like paper bag, like as a gift shop paper bag, rolled up inside of like a pile of clothes on the dining room table because they're just unpacking everything one of my parents cats pulled all the clothes apart opened the paper bag and took the platypuses out to go play with them <laughs> and it's like how did they even know that there was pl a plush toy within all of that it's like they just know man they're <laughs> watching the cats are watching their instincts you're right they just know well, this is a uh, derailed dynamically. Yeah, I'm sorry, the sample, <laughs> but but it was still a, cl a classic episode. Um, yeah, man, what's the new podcast name again? It's called Beyond the Terrarium. And now, is it? Uh, you guys have a, a Instagram page already made. Mm -hmm. uh, go like, follow, share it, subscribe, whatever button you got to click these days. Um, mm -hmm. Any YouTube stuff or no? We will. Um, okay. That's got to get set up this week i've got to figure out the whole rss feed link to to get posted on spotify and all that um yeah smitty i might text you after this uh, but yeah so youtube spotify apple podcasts all the things um that'll be coming soon i think we're probably going to do some youtube videos but those will be more like you know ad hoc whenever we get the motivation to mm -hmm. do that sure that's a lot more yeah. so <laughs> well it'll be cool if you have like if people have have things you they want you to sort of extrapolate on a little more and you can yeah. actually show them the things like having videos of questions people asked and showing people that kind of stuff would be really solid yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. even if good well, no is it go ahead jack i was just gonna say even like if people have like enclosures that they want to like spotlight like definitely hit us up we'd love to talk about those mm -hmm. live we'd love to have them on and um talk through it so hell yeah and you guys you guys do a great job of this already but in all of your endeavors dude just take pictures of step by step like you yeah. don't gotta do a crazy production value like first we start with this and yeah. then we no just like picture 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 mm -hmm. and then it, you know weeks if not months down the line when it's done boom you got a whole highlight reel you know yeah yeah, yeah. so exactly brendan does a really good job about that i'm mm -hmm. still <laughs> on that but yeah, I feel yeah, like I try. Yeah, with that latest. Building. I for, I forget a lot of the steps in between, but I I get the gist. You know, you, yeah. you see what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, just yeah. having like a visual aid to talk through it, um, I think helps yeah. a lot. Um, I had to figure out the whole share screen on uh, Streamyard the other day, so that was a 
<laughs> that was a fun endeavor. That was a little technical difficulty, but we've got that now. So nice. But yeah. All right. So beyond the terrarium on Instagram, what about your personal IGs? You want to give a shout out to those? Go, Brendan. Go ahead, Jake. Oh, you oh. want me to go? Yeah, you go. Uh, so BM Exotics on Instagram. Uh, that's pretty much the best the best way to to find me. I have like my personal Facebook and stuff, but you want to talk enclosures, reptiles, whatever, Instagram. I'm I'm on it way too much throughout the day. So <laughs> I'll, I'll probably get back to you really quickly. But yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, just Jack Oliver underscore reptiles on Instagram um, because I haven't figured out a better name than that. Uh, <laughs> so that's where we're at. Um, and then uh, Facebook's the same. Like, feel free to add me. I'm I'm on there more now just because I feel like a lot of the turtle people are on there. So um, mm -hmm. I do that a lot more now, but um, mostly Instagram. So if you want to talk anything, just hit me up. Put me and Brennan in a group chat. We'll talk to you for days. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I'm down. <laughs> Or just message beyond the terrarium. We're both on there, so we'll we can yeah. both respond like that. So, hell yeah, yeah, we're super stoked about it. I really appreciate y'all having us on to to talk about it. Uh, of course, yeah. Man. The the go live went pretty well, so I'm stoked on it. Nice. Yeah, a lot of people are excited. I mean, they're saying in the comments. Um, I've seen from multiple people, people are really really looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, we got a lot of positive feedback for not even having an episode out yet so we're yeah. we're stoked dude it's yeah. it's awesome hell yeah Love i feel like it. it's a good niche that people aren't i mean people talk about it but yeah. not in depth you know so yeah yeah have to focus on it so. yeah man and you guys you guys have enough experience to just rock and roll you know yeah it's good yeah. And the other thing too, is that like, we're both very much of the mindset of like, we don't, we're not experts at all. We're just doing things. And so we yeah, want to yeah. talk to people who we, we do consider, you know, experts to actually tell people how to do things. We're just, you know, a couple of, a couple of dudes with some drills and some, some knives cutting, <laughs> cutting yeah. foam. So, yeah. um, yeah. And we do have already some pretty insane guests lined up that we're yeah. super stoked on. So within the next few weeks, those will be, recorded and coming out too so what's the uh, release stuff coming man what's Hell the release yeah. schedule gonna be like how often are you guys gonna are you planning to drop episodes yeah i think, um, I think it's weekly right yeah weekly every friday it's okay. gonna be the goal so mm -hmm. cool. see how that goes but that's the plan for now yeah so awesome. cool man We're good looking shit. forward to it Hell yeah Awesome. Uh, this episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. You need a rack, you need a cage. Put something in the checkout. Then put in the code THN at checkout. Get 10% off your order. Then head over to fullviesapparel.com. Also use the code THN. Get 15% off your order. That is the exclusive promo code for THN listeners and viewers like you. Puget Sound Pythons, Jeff and Kendra. Follow them on all the socials. Follow them Morph Market, Puget Sound Pythons. And then cold-blooded caffeine, best coffee you can buy. Get you some. Get the Snakes and Stokies blend. Get into the other affiliate blends. Get some of their signature blends. You're going to be happy regardless. It's damn good coffee. Uh, we didn't have THP last week. I don't remember why. Something came up. I had a dinner thing. Uh, but Corn Stars is supposed to be happening this week. I thought it was last week. 
I got my schedule mixed up. So this week is that's that's when that's happening. So we'll be back Thursday, uh, and we will see everybody later. Bye.